0: Hi there, and welcome to the Oompaul.com podcast. I'm Ole, and for episode number 65, it is my pleasure to bring to you a chat with Sykes Wilford, the guy who decided to do this crazy thing called smokingpipes.com. I traveled to one of the few pipe meccas of the world to sit down and have a face-to-face interview with Sykes in lovely Little River, South Carolina. While there, I was also able to chat with a few employees, To get a more in-depth feel for the heart of the company. What I found was a lot of very good and positive things going on over there. Sykes is the kind of guy you want to do business with and work for. He's passionate and he cares about the work and the people who work there too. Smokingpipes.com is a big deal. But more importantly, it gets done right. I'm confident you will enjoy this glimpse into a company that is very key in the pipe world. One thing that fascinates me about the pipe world is the different places we can go to buy pipes. We have brick and mortars. We have small online-only ventures. We have brick and mortars that also have a large net presence. Take, for example, PipingAin'tEasy.com. PipingAin'tEasy.com is the sponsor for this podcast. It's a wonderful little venture that carries new pipes, estate pipes, and consignment pipes to fit almost any budget and is always getting a new rotation of pipes. Go to one word pipingainteasy.com right now, bookmark that page, grab yourself something nice. You may want to pick up a PAE shirt while you're there too. Let me know what you get. Again, that's pipingainteasy.com. I have personally sold to and purchased from pipingainteasy.com, so I can tell you with confidence that you'll be very happy with your experience. The following podcast was recorded on December 5th, 2014. Now then, sit back, grab a pipe, and stay a while. I hope you enjoy. For today's podcast, I have the pleasure of sitting down and chatting with none other than Sykes Wilford, the man who changed the game when he created SmokingPipes.com. Sykes, it is great to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Thanks, Oli. Let's start out with some basics and work our way towards SmokingPipes.com, the company. First off, who is Sykes Wolford? Tell me a little bit about yourself, your family,
1: pets, where you grew up, what you studied, stuff like that. Um, well, I am married, and we have six cats. Um my, uh, my academic background is, is in history. I uh, have an undergraduate degree from Vanderbilt in uh, European history, and I am mostly done just working on the last bits of my, my thesis, master's thesis in, in history at College of Charleston.
0: Oh, wow. Um, I don't know why, but I thought you, you were a, uh, a business grad, history grad. That's, that's
1: awesome. I have, no biz- I have no actual real training <laughs> to do what I do.
0: When you said six cats, I thought you were going to say six kids, and I was going to say, wow, that's shocking. I, I didn't know you had six kids. Where are you even hiding them? So, um, okay, so, so history. My wife is a, uh, she has her master's in, in art history. And so uh, tell, me, tell me how you decided to get into
1: history. Um, I come from a pretty academic family. Uh, my father's a, an economics professor, uh, my mother's a, a librarian. Um, my brother and sister are both working on their doctorates. So going an academic route seemed like a logical course for me For until I stumbled into the pipe business. And speaking of stumbling into the pipe business, how did that happen? I needed a part-time job in college. And it needed to be something close enough to campus that I could walk to it because I didn't have a car. And campus jobs paid nothing in those days. Um, I had the sneaking suspicion that's gotten a lot better since I went to college, but I don't know. Uh, and so I started just trying to find jobs at little shops that I they were close enough for me to, to get there on foot. And uh, I stopped at a few places and did not get hired. And I walked into the cigar store probably to buy... Uh, French cigarettes or something else. I was a freshman in college, so it was probably something like you know, equally pretentious, <laughs> maybe an ounce of pipe tobacco. Because <laughs> I was smoking a pipe a little bit at the time, uh, and uh, you know, asked them if they were hiring, and they said, as, as a matter of fact, we are. You know, and they called me a, a few hours later and, and hired me, and uh, I worked there for about a year, um, and fell in love with pipes and pipe tobacco, and uh, just loved loved the product, loved the whole culture of, uh, of tobacco retail. Um, and this was in 98, 99, uh, so right at the at the apex of the dot-com boom uh, in the late 90s. And of course, you know, all over the product, and, and just what was floating in the air at the time was everybody was going to start a dot-com and change the world. Um, uh, you know, the internet has changed the world, just not in any of the ways anybody thought. Uh, and uh, so I, I sort of ran with, with the idea of seeing if if, uh, pipes would work in a serious way
0: on the internet. Now, what kind of shop was that that you started out working in for, what was a year, a little over a year or something like
1: that? Oh, yeah, about a year. Um, It was uh, mostly a cigar store. They had a really nice pipe selection, a really excellent bulk tobacco selection. Um, It was an Ellison Place pipe and tobacco in Nashville. Wow. So um,
0: did they know right off the bat that you were, like, really crazy about pipes?
1: Well, I, I was only moderately crazy about pipes before I started. Uh, mm-hmm. That really happened while I was there. Uh, so you were smoking before you got that job, right? Pipes? Yeah, yeah. How did you get into
0: even just that, even just smoking pipes then? Um, did you have family that smoked pipes? or?
1: My dad did, but he hadn't really smoked a pipe regularly in probably 20 years at that point. Um, mostly, you know, I was a freshman in college, and I was pretentious, and, you know... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it seemed like a, a good idea. Um, I, 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 again, I, the, the culture was attractive. The idea of the, the calm, con- contemplative, um, sort of academic trappings that go with with uh, smoking a pipe seemed uh, sort of fascinated me. But I really didn't fall in love with it in any kind of serious way until it was actually working.
0: What do you think it was about working in that environment that Allowed that kind of uh, that kind of interaction happen. Like like what what did it for you about being there and, and being around that that you're like yeah this is it.
1: A lot of it was simply exposure. Uh, you know realize that the things we take for granted today in terms of the information that's available online simply were not around in the late nineties uh, on on regarding pipes. And so I saw a lot more pipes. I learned about a lot more pipes. It was part of my job. Um, you know, part-time job, uh, but but a lot of it was simply exposure. It wasn't anything about the job in particular. Um, I liked the the ritual of weighing bulk tobacco for customers. And yeah. I uh, liked talking about people about pipes with people as they as they expressed interest in different things, but a lot of it was simply more exposure. Mm-hmm. Did you find yourself?
0: Hey, I've got this part-time job that I absolutely love. Was it ever ever a problem like with your schooling? Like, gosh, I wish I was at the shop right now or anything
1: like that. Not really. Yeah. Um, uh, I worked about I don't know twenty or twenty-five hours a week at the shop. Um, it was uh, it was a nice balance. I mean, I, I wanted the part-time job because I wanted a little bit more money than I had. As well often the case in college, and, um, I don't know, it, it worked out fairly well. Yeah. What, um, what was your kind
0: of, when you first started studying history, um, did you have kind
1: of a, a area of
0: focus, and has that changed over the years?
1: Yes. Um, it has become about 400 years more recent and moved across the Atlantic. Um, uh, I was, in, in college, it was, uh, classics in medieval, mostly medieval history. Um, and uh, uh, Islamic world. And then uh, in graduate school, I have moved more to colonial American.
0: Really? And and what what do you feel like kind of made that leap happen for
1: you? Uh, some of it was, was just sort of where the department, uh, where I went with various departments. I mean, when I started going to the College of Charleston, their, their strongest area is Southern history and, and early American history. And so there are a lot of good people doing interesting work in those areas. Uh, so that was part of it. Um, part of it is that were practical considerations. Um, going to graduate school while also running uh, this company uh, meant that there were certain things that I would have done if I were just a graduate student. I would have spent a bunch of time working on my French, learning enough Italian to work in Italian to be able to do the kind of graduate work I wanted to do in, in medieval history, and I would have had to polish up my, my Latin and stuff like that. Um, I simply did not have time for all the language work on top of everything else, and so it was some of it was just easier to move early modern and move English-speaking. So if you were going to take a, a chunk
0: of all of the medieval history that you studied and and told me about, just one tidbit, that you're like, this is While this is interesting, what would that be?
1: Uh, In the uh, medieval history, the the late 11th century in Spain, really interesting things happened. Um, You had the beginning of the Reconquista. You had uh, the the church politics in that part of the world at that time were very interesting. Um, It was a period of consolidation of power by the papacy, um, and uh, Spanish politics played a role in that. Um, or Iberian politics, it's Spanish, it's not, it didn't exist yet, but uh, Castilian. Um, it was just sort of a very interesting period where you had a bunch of different competing interests uh, going on, on on the Iberian Peninsula, and um, that, that was really the area that,
0: that most interested me there. So kind of a, a really interesting power shift, all of a sudden, in this one kind of area and place and time, basically, mm-hmm. and and a lot of that had to do with the church. A lot right? of it had to do with the church. Yeah. Um, okay. So so tell me about um, the more recent idea that 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 you're really digging about colonial America. So so if there's like one little tiny snippet of of information that you're like, wow, this is this is really it cool, interesting, or whatever. Like, what would that be?
1: Um, I did a lot of work, unsurprisingly, on tobacco, um, and uh, a lot of economic history on tobacco is out there. It's very, very good. Uh, so I spent a lot of time trying to wrap my head around trade flows and, and cultivation and the commodity aspects, the business side of the of tobacco trade in the, uh, especially the early 18th century. Uh, that sort of morphed, um, because I had to come up with, with a master's thesis, that sort of morphed into a cultural history of, of tobacco for the period. So I spent a, a lot of time trying to understand why men smoked and women generally didn't that much, um, or uh, why certain men smoked in certain ways and other men either consumed tobacco in other ways or smoked in other ways, um, and then what that said about, about gender identity and, and class identity um in the in the early mid eighteenth century, wow, geographically that's that's really cool that that
0: you know your historical studies have kind of come full circle and and you're able to you know work with not only this side of your brain that's like you know crazy about history but also you know bring that into the business aspect and and kind of bringing all those together. that's really awesome.
1: It was sort of accidental. Uh, I uh, was sitting in um, the program director's office for, for the department um, and I said I wanted to write something about uh, early reformation in England. So Thomas Kramer and the CV e and, and all that. And he said, well that's all well and good but there's lots done on that. Um, what about something on tobacco and culture in the you know in England in the in the 17th and 18th centuries. And this started is in England and then moved across the Atlantic after that. And I said, you do know what I do for a living, don't you? And he goes, no. No, what do you do? I know you have a business of some sort. Um, <laughs> wow, that's so, like transcendental stuff. Yeah. yeah that's, that's pretty crazy. cool. crazy. Yeah. He said he'd been trying to get someone to write about it for years. Um, <laughs> and then suddenly here you are. That's fantastic. Yeah, so it sort of fell in my mind.
0: Now, can I can I look forward to uh, lectures on the topic by you at yeah, some I point? Seriously, doubt anybody ever <laughs> wants to see any of this. Oh, I do absolutely. I think everybody will. Everybody listens to podcasts at least. So, all right. So, take me from uh, the point where you're you're working part time at uh, the tobacco shop. What happens next after that? So, so at some point. You know, you move on from that job and do other stuff,
1: but tell
0: me where I you go from I went pretty much straight
1: from that job to smokingpipes.com.
0: Okay, so you launched smokingpipes.com. I left the job
1: in order to launch smokingpipes.com.
0: Wow, okay.
1: And so when was that? Uh, I started the company in June of 2000, but I was working on it starting February of 2000.
0: February of 2000, okay.
1: So, um, and how did that go? like,
0: when you said, okay, this is what I'm going to do, until your launch point. What did that look like? So I'm guessing this was kind of a, a, a the typical dot-com starting in your basement or something like that, right?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, uh, um, I mean, I knew a lot about... At that point, I knew not a lot. I didn't actually know all that much at all about Pipes and Pipe Tobacco. But I knew something about Pipes and Pipe Tobacco. And I knew a whole lot about medieval Spain. Um, and nothing at all about... Business and nothing at all about, I, I had no technical background at that point. At this point, I'm a programmer, I'm a pretty decent database designer, I have a lot of technical skills that I picked up over the years, but none of those were, were trained before I started sort of this. All of those have been out of necessity since then. But at the time, I had a, I had a pretty steep learning curve and just figuring out how to put the pieces together in order to sell online.
0: Wow, that, and, and that's, a, that's a huge step. Plenty of people have done that and, and failed miserably. You've done really well with it. So what what do you think was the key ingredient for you to succeed from – there's a bajillion dot-coms that didn't work out. There's a bajillion um, online retailers, of you name it, that didn't work out. What was the secret? Like how did you stay the course and make
1: sure this thing flew? A couple things were, were, were just lucky. Hmm. Pipes, I think, are uniquely uh, – a uniquely suitable product for for online sales, because the uh, customer base is fairly small and geographically dispersed. It's not concentrated anywhere in any serious way, uh, and so it's very hard to support a really a, a, a store with a really great pipe selection outside of all but a handful of really big metros in the U.S. Um, it's no no one. There are very few pipe shops in the U.S. with three thousand pipes. Uh, and it's simply it, it's very hard to support a uh, a selection like that when your customer base in a city of a million people or whatever, um, you, you know you maybe know how many pipe smokers out of that but but not lots um, right. Uh, so uh, mail order made a lot of sense and historically mail order had worked very well with pipes with uh, when Reese's catalog in the in the late 70s um, and lots of examples before that and uh, and Uptown's in the early 90s. Um, did very well with their catalog, so there was a lot of catalog sales um, mm. prior to the internet, and then uh, with the rise of the internet, again, you know, this was a great way to cater to pipe smokers who could not walk into a pipe shop and have the kind of selection that they could be offered online to a wider customer base. So a lot of a lot of the the success we've had has been a function of the right product for the right uh, platform. Um, so we're uh, tell me how you went
0: from. Um, working on this basically at home, you know, starting the dot-com up and then moving into a brick-and-mortar?
1: Uh, the brick-and-mortar happened uh, – I started the company in Nashville, and we had a little office um, in a cheapest office space I could find. Uh, and I uh, did it there for a couple of years, I guess two and a half years maybe, um, after I graduated because I continued to go to school while doing this for a while. Uh, after I graduated, I uh, moved the company here to the Myrtle Beach area, uh, and uh, the, the plan had always been to open a brick and mortar. At, the, at that time, it was absolutely necessary for us to have a brick and mortar for, for legitimacy, um, and I still think it's a very nice thing to have, but uh, the, the brick and mortar, we opened it at the beginning of 2005, um, and it's been a part of the business for nine, ten years now.
0: And how does that, how does the brick- and- mortar kind of work with um, the online sales? Because you basically have you know one building where people can just walk in and not only can they look at what's on the wall, but they can actually peruse um, digitally with an iPad, right that's, that's right there in your store, the entire selection of what you have online, right? Mm-hmm. So um, tell me how, how like that has worked out for you guys as far as merging those two things together.
1: Uh, well, like every other tobacconist in the country, most of our sales are in cigars in the store. So, 60% cigar sales. Uh, and uh, so, the emphasis in the store is on cigars. The emphasis in uh, you know, online, and as you can tell in our offices here, is on pipes. Um, the store is only about 2% of the company, um, and cigars as a whole for the whole company is only about and a quarter percent or something you know, equally small. Um, the store and the offices were all in one building for about four or five years. Uh, and then we started leasing little bits and of space around the break, the building that we had, uh, to supplement, you know, so we get a little bit of warehouse space or, and then we moved customer service into another little space. And then we moved the warehouse into a bigger space and moved customer service and more and more bits keep leaving the, the building that, that also housed the store. Um, just as the company grew and it got kind of unwieldy and it was not optimal space uh, for the kinds of the kind of business we do. Um, we walked around in the warehouse earlier until two months ago, we didn't really have loading docks, uh, which is really tough to deal with when you have multiple, multiple pallets of pipe tobacco arriving a week. Um, just, just from an infrastructure perspective, those were things we didn't have. Gotcha. We were also spread across four five buildings Wow. Um, and it, it was just logistically com- – it just became logistically complicated. So the move was really
0: out of necessity based on your growth, right? Very much so. And so um, I took a tour a couple months back of, of the old facility, and this morning I took a tour of the new one. And um, it's just uh, – it, it's, it's a huge difference, obviously. Um, but, yeah, it's – you know, you were talking about the ability to ha- just have a loading dock. You know, because you guys need that. You're that big. So uh, approximately how much tobacco would you say, let's, let's go with bulk tobacco, about how much do you have on hand at any given time?
1: Right now uh, we have just tobacco that we sell in bulk. We have about two tons on hand, and that's about five weeks supply. Um, wow. that Two tons,
0: five weeks supply. That's amazing, and that's just bulk.
1: Yeah. Wow. All told, we have right now a little over six tons on hand.
0: Good God. Okay. Um, so tell me about pipes. Just to give me a vague idea of how many pipes like exist in this building right now.
1: Somewhere in the neighborhood of eleven or twelve thousand. Good
0: God. Okay. And so we were going. We were going through the various staging processes of smokingpipes.com this morning, and, and Sykes was showing me all the different areas. Okay, here's you know shipping. Here's where we keep everything that's online right now. Here's everything that's going to be online right now. Here's everything that uh, is going to be refurbished at some point. It's absolutely incredible. And the way that you've managed to um, compartmentalize everything in a way that makes sense is just awesome. I, this place... It, if if you ever get out there, this is one of the, you know, one of the pipe and tobaccos um, meccas, if you will. If you ever get out here, um, and and can take a tour of this place, it's absolutely amazing. What would Sykes? What would you say are the the main big benchmarks for your company since its inception? So you had the you had the the dot com launch, but from that point, like what were the next Big kind of benchmarks that that have got you to where you are today.
1: Um, a couple of crucial moments. Um, uh, I when I, when we started when I started smokingpipes.com, uh, I didn't really know enough about the pipe business to know what I wanted it to be at that point. I was more interested in, in handmade pipes than I was interested in, in factory pipes at the time. I've since developed an appreciation of factory pipes I didn't have then. So it's not that that's a... It, it, don't read too much into that. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, the first few years of smokingpipes.com, we were very, very focused on handmade pipes. And a crucial moment came when I went to Japan for the first time in 2002 uh, and met Tokutomi, Sato... Um, Met with Sugay there. I'd met them previously, but I met them there for the first time, and uh, started really working seriously with Japanese handmade pipes, and uh, they had not really been they had almost no exposure outside of Japan uh, prior to that, and so that really put us on the map for something, and then a lot of uh, uh, a lot of that kind of business, a lot of you know, Danish handmade pipe makers, American handmade pipe makers, uh, a lot of that uh, snowballed from there um, once. Once we had a reputation for doing a really good job with handmade pipes, um, other people started approaching us. We were able to approach other people. So, a, a lot from from the business's perspective, that was sort of the starting point of, of our growing expertise and interest in, in handmade pipes.
0: So, that, that one visit to Japan was was really a, a big deal as far as...
1: It um, you know, gave the company definition, right, right, which it didn't really have prior to that. And that definition has since changed a couple of times, right. but that was the first time we said, oh, okay, now we know what we're about. Yeah, um, And I think a lot of very, very small companies, I mean, when I went to Japan, there were three employees, uh, and one of them was part-time. So, <laughs> two and a half employees. Um, and then
0: from, from that point, what happened next to, what, what was the next big kind of benchmark that you would say Furthered your company, or or maybe changed
1: its direction a little bit. One of the core things I'm going to answer your question in a second, but I want to fill out something. One of the core things that we do here is every single pipe we sell on SmokingPipes.com is, with the exception of corn cobs, is individually photographed, ind- individually described, individually measured. All of that is done one at a time on pipes. That is a logistical nightmare. No one in their right mind would build a business that way. (laughs) Uh, In 2008, uh, we were selling more and more, and it works fine if you're selling $500 or $1,000 pipes. It becomes, if you start selling a lot of $100 pipes, it becomes a real challenge to manage a workforce of eight or ten or fifteen or twenty. Um, with all these little pieces of information that happened to each and every pipe. So we rewrote, or I rewrote, uh, a bunch of our software to organize, the, reorganize the process uh, so that we could do a better job selling Petersons and Savinelli's and, and other premium factory pipes in, in 2008. Uh, and over the next, it took about two or three years, but we quintupled sales in Two or three, four years. Wow. In, in, in those sorts of brands. So, uh, you know, and, and other things too. Uh, Stanwell at the time was very important to us just a few years ago, of course. Uh, and, you know, Noring and, and uh, other factor brands, which took other factor brands we still carry.
0: So you'd say your, your next big turning point really was, was a change in, in the way you conducted business, really, mm-hmm. right?
1: It, it was let it was, us be much better at what we were doing. Yeah. And the customer never really saw this. Right. Um, but it meant that we could get the right pipes on the website at the right time and improve the quality of our selection and inc- include the quality of our, our responsiveness. Um, and it, it, like so many things, it's really more gradual than I just made it sound. But uh, it let us latch on other aspects that improve the customer experience on smokingpipes.com. Um it made it possible for us to put just a lot more pipes on the website um, managed to grow our selection massively um yeah i would
0: guess that, that that you know like you said that's a logistical nightmare so any way you can streamline that and it sounds like it came up with a really you know good way to do that um would certainly i mean cuz the more you the more you touch no matter what the product is you know the more you have in it right so you want to touch it as least as you can, but at the same time, give the customer as much as possible.
1: And that's, you know, everything here has been, yes, we use technology to save ourselves time and therefore not cost us more money, but, but mostly it's about how do we use technology in order to make the customer experience better? Yeah. How do we do things like photograph every single pipe that comes through here without it being sufficiently expensive that no one is ever going to want to buy the pipe? Did you or anyone near you along the way say, you know,
0: Sykes, maybe Pipes, you know, maybe that's not a great idea to get into
1: this? You know, less than you would think. Um, I was pretty excited and maybe people were telling me this and I just wasn't listening. Uh, (laughs) uh, I remember my mother was worried that I wouldn't graduate from college. Um, and I did, so she was, she was satisfied. Uh... But there really wasn't that much, there, there was not that much of it. There was a little bit of it in industry. It was like, why in the world are you getting into this, this business? Keep in mind that, you know, in, in the end of 2014, the pipe business is really strong. But in the early 2000s, the pipe business it was pretty close to its nadir. Uh, you know, pipe industry had been shrinking slowly and steadily for forty years at that point. Um, and uh you know i don't I don't remember when you when you started going to pipe shows and stuff early, but um when you know in the early two thousands when I was going to pipe shows, I was the youngest guy in the room by like it of course, to me in my early twenties, it seemed like fifty years, but I was the youngest guy in the room by a lot
0: yeah um, so what at, at that let, let's go let's think about that so here you are at, at you know one of the first pipe shows that 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 you started attending and, and selling. And and you look around and you're like, wow, I'm not so sure about like the I future of that this.
1: That never actually occurred to me. You're like, this is you're only just like... occurred to me in retrospect.
0: <laughs> you're just like, this is going to happen. I
1: was too stupid at the time for that. To...
0: <laughs> well, stupid, one. You know, you could use that word, but I wouldn't. You know, maybe you just had this vision. You're like, this is going to happen. I think there are this thing called visionaries out there, and I think you're one of them, right? So, you know, you're like, no, there's there's Forging every kind. <laughs> There's every reason in the world why pipes should exist in a bigger way across the world, and, and that's what I'm going to do. So, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm going to call it visionary. So, Well, I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> How many folks work here? This is a huge place. The total company has about 55, 56 employees. Um, in this facility right now, I think there are about 50. Tell me how how is that group? So what what departments do you have? You've got, you've got shipping and receiving. Yeah, that's nine people. Um, uh, so that's a that's a good chunk of it there. Uh, the marketing department is also very big at ten people maybe. Um, Cornell and Deal, which is not in this facility, that's six or seven people. Um, and then uh customer service for smokingpipes.com. We've got the Estate Department for SmokingPipes.com. Uh, we've got, obviously, we've got back office people doing accounting and stuff like that. We have an IT department, and we have a couple of programmers and uh, a physical IT guy, a couple programmers in addition to me, uh, and, uh, merchandising department for com. And, it's and
0: photographers, developer. you have a whole room of nothing but, totally devoted to photography. Yeah, yeah. That's a chunk of the marketing department. Um... What was the impetus to the C&D coming
1: on board? Well, I had known Craig and Patty and, and were very good friends with them, or I was very good friends with them, uh, for from not long after I started the company. So, you know, it, it, when we were talking about this last year, it was 13, 14 years. Uh, and um, I had always, Craig and I always had a closer relationship than, than just the business. It was a business relationship, but it was a very close business relationship. I can't really, I, I don't know how to explain it, but he and I talked about business problems that didn't, where they were independent of the other company. Like, he right. would ask my advice, I would ask his advice. And we had yeah. different areas of expertise, and so this worked really well. Um, and uh, I was just personally very fond of them. They were like you know an aunt and uncle to me. Um and, uh, and so I'd spent a lot of time up there over the years with them, and they'd been down here a lot. And uh, so I, I was very intimately familiar with um, uh, the factory and what it did and how it worked. So I was really familiar with Cornell and Deal. And uh, we had, at the end of 2011, we'd become the U.S. distributor for, for Savinelli and had set up a distribution company. And uh, Craig died, of course, in in 2012. And uh, Chris has been running the business since. And he'd been running the business for a while before before Craig passed away. Uh, And I was pretty familiar with with what sort of challenges they were facing and what sort of uh, needs as an organization they had. Um, And I just called Chris out of the blue and said, you know, I've been thinking about Cornell and Deal a lot lately, and thinking about what uh, what Laodice, the parent company of all of this, um, could bring to the table for you guys. Do you want to talk about the possibility of becoming part of a bigger company and becoming shareholders in DC and continuing to run the, the factory, I and mean, we're not talking about changing anybody, it just can we find a way maybe that this, uh, we can make, together we can make Cornell and Deal a uh, Work better, work better organization. A lot of the challenges they had are the same sorts of challenges that every very very small business faces. It's really hard to borrow money when you're tiny as an, as a company. Um, it's you don't have access to uh, you know if you're if you're a tobacco factory with with you know six seven eight employees you don't have a marketing department. Uh, you don't have photographers. You don't have copywriters. You don't have really good accounting people. Uh, to help you navigate federal regulations. You don't have all of these sort of support services that we have here because we're a larger organization they simply didn't have access to. So technical expertise was a big part of it. So the things we could do for for Cornell and Deal uh, really had to do with marketing expertise, technical expertise, some business expertise, and being able to help them with a bunch of their their just business challenges, by um, throwing money at it. For example, uh, they could only keep, I don't know how much, but X amount of tobacco on hand. They really wanted to be able to keep twice that on hand. They couldn't afford to carry an extra you know, 2,000 pounds of tobacco on hand or 10,000 pounds of tobacco on hand at any given time. I don't remember what the number is, but it's something in between those two. Uh, and... Uh, and that amount of money for a company this size is not that big a deal, but for them it was just prohibitive. By um, like carrying more tobacco on hand, they can smooth out their supply or their production, so they're not producing like mad one week and then not producing anything the next week. Um, they're less cash flow dependent. They can be. We could restructure the workflow. So a lot of it was was straight business reasons for why it it, it made sense. Um, as far as the the non I mean not the non business reason, but I love Cornell and Deal. I love the idea of Cornell and Deal. I love their product. I've smoked probably more Cornell and Deal and GLPs tobacco in my life than than anything else. Um, I uh, I love the way they thought about the business. I uh, love the way they thought about the product. Um, and I but I thought being able to do all of these things uh, would would help them to be a better organization. And we had a platform through which they could distribute the product, which was something that they were struggling with previously.
0: So it's, and I've seen this online a million times too, but it seems really like um, it was a big win-win for everybody.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and it was and they kind of like, shareholders in the in the in Laodicea. They're, yeah, we didn't go in and buy them out, and they're they're now shareholders in a larger company, and Chris still runs the factory, and it's all the same staff there. That's awesome.
0: What a what a really interesting way for, you know, two businesses in the industry to to be able to come together and everybody's cool about it. You know what I mean? Like it works. You know that doesn't always happen.
1: It usually doesn't. Mergers usually are, are promised as really successful and they end up being pretty much disasters. Yeah. Um, but but for us, this has been really, really good. It's been a ton of work. I spent much more of my life in Morganton, North Carolina, than I ever anticipated. Right. Uh, but uh, it's been some of the, for both Chris and for me, I think, it's been some of the hardest work of our lives, but it's also been some of the most rewarding work we've done as we've seen the improvements we've made and the changes we've made uh, really yield quality improvements, productivity improvements. Um, you know, this time last year, they couldn't produce enough tobacco. Like, there were empty shelves places because they couldn't make it fast enough. Wow. Um, and uh, and a year later, uh, production is up about 50% with basically the same staff. I and mean, we really haven't added anybody. And uh, that, a lot of that, that didn't have anything to do with doing things faster and cutting quality. That had everything to do with organizing the workflow so that it could be done in more efficient ways. Right. So um that obviously is a is a huge uh
0: kind of of, of standard for that for your company, like as far as benchmarks that we're looking at, how your company has changed over the years, stuff like that. So that's a huge one. And then your move, which just happened recently, is probably the last one. What do you what do you foresee in the future for smokingpipes.com as far as big things on the horizon that you're thinking about?
1: You know, I have purposely on the advice of my wife, my parents, all the board members of the company, Ted, Lisa, decided not to think about anything giant and new for a while. <laughs> I'm not allowed. <laughs> yeah, it's not like you haven't been making huge
0: changes and huge gains uh, in the very, very, um, you know,
1: recent past. So the yeah, I can I can understand years, that. Yeah, the last three years have been. You know, we added the. Distribution company for Sevenelli, and we added Cornell and Dale in the last three years, and we moved the whole company. And I think we need a year or two just right. to like <laughs> let things work out a little bit yeah. before we do anything else. So I'm not even allowed to think about it right now. Gotcha. Cool.
0: So as far as schematics, it, it, this is just really interesting stuff, and you may not know this off the top of your head. Okay, so so is there a shape that that runs through your company that that Sells more than any other shape,
1: not really. Uh, it's all over the board. It's huh? all over the board. I mean, you know, things get popular for a while uh, in a given brand. I can usually pick things out and tell you. You know, uh, the three twenty KS shape from Savinelli is incredibly popular. Uh, the nine 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 shape from Peterson is really popular. Um, but those shapes really don't look that much alike. Um, Lavats from certain companies are very very popular. So it's but there's not any one shape that I can point to that runs across brands. I mean, classic billiards. Everybody is always going to sell classic billiards till the end of time. But. What What is that about...
0: I'm a huge fan of classic billiards, by the way, and variations thereof. You know, it's like the platonic essence of pipe. You yeah. know, it's... Before there was pipe, there was billiard, right? What is it about that? Is it just because you know, the function is such that here is the shape, like fun, function as it was formed became billiard. Is that, is that what it is? We're just looking at the, the root of it?
1: I, I think that's about 90% of it. Uh, your your chamber size to pipe size uh, with the billiard is, is pretty close to as much chambers you can get for less, you know, not that much wood, you know, you. Or your weight to chamber size ratio is, is really good, um, and then there are certain rules that billiards follow that are just look good to the eye. Um, you know, you could achieve the same thing structurally with two tubes that were straight sided, but of course billiards are not straight sided, but straight sides don't look that good. Um, so it's it. I would say it's about ninety percent. It's a highly highly functional shape, and and ten percent it other things that make it look good.
0: Have you seen, so, you know, obviously your business has changed drastically since since it began. Did you ever, did you expect it to look more like X and it actually looks more like Y?
1: Um, it depends on when I was expecting. Uh, when I, <clears throat> I remember a conversation I had with my dad when I was just starting the company. And I, I don't remember what the numbers were, but I said, I, you know, we could, we could maybe turn it into an X amount of year revenue business. Um, and I don't really know where it goes from there. And the business now is like 30 times that size. I mean, you know, it's completely, completely misguessed. Um, and then, and then later on, I remember, uh, trying to figure out how big the, the business could get and how, how, where it would go. And, um, I thought that it would end up with, it it, it would stay more of a boutique handmade pipe company um, for part of it, and then we would do something else. I don't remember the details, but I was like, oh, well, you know, now it's two or three times the size it was then. So it it has consistently exceeded what I thought it could be, Um,
0: uh, and it's also gone in directions I did not anticipate. What is the weirdest direction it's taken that you didn't expect?
1: mean, It's not that weird, but we for years, we really thought of ourselves as a pipe company, and tobacco was secondary. you know pipes would outsell tobacco four to one five to one in terms of dollars um and now tobacco this year probably is going to it's very close, but I think total tobacco sales will surpass total pipe sales. no
0: kidding, wow, um, so yeah that's that's something that you definitely would not have expected, right?
1: I did not anticipate that wow,
0: walk me through a typical day for you. At here at smokingpipes.com.
1: I My days are, are pretty atypical at this point. <laughs> um, uh, I, I get here between usually between 9 and 9.30, um, and I check in with different people depending on the day. It, it depends on, on what I'm doing. You know, This time of year, I'm checking in a lot with uh, Josh, who is the general manager of smokingpipes.com because we're in the middle of the Christmas rush, um, I'm checking in with Dennis Riley, the, the shipping manager, because we have lots of shipping going out the door and making sure that things go out absolutely on time or ahead of time is really important. So uh, spending a fair bit of time working with those guys right now, um, checking in with Lisa and Tracy and accounting, checking in with Ted Swearingen, who's COO of the company. Um, so I usually just do sort of morning rounds, and sometimes that might take up an hour, sometimes that might take out four hours, depending on what we run into. Um, but I wear I wear a handful of different hats. Some of them are sort of traditional CEO hats, and I guess that would be one of them. But I'm also uh, the main business process guy in the company, and for business processes specifically, I'm the primary programmer. So, the stuff that you all see on the front of the website, I tend not to do. The stuff that we use on on uh, internal software to make the business go—that uh, tends to be the stuff that I do. Um, so I usually spend, not necessarily every day, but in a given week, twenty or so hours a week working on business processes and writing software. Uh, I spend a fair bit of time on accounting, and like anybody in in my position, I spend a fair bit of time, uh, you know, navigating banks, landlords, attorneys. You know, those sorts of things. Um, what would you say is the toughest part of your job? The toughest part of my job? Uh, the part of my job that I most like is the uh, dealing with pipe makers, dealing, dealing with pipes, uh, working on estate deals and evaluations. Those are the parts of my job that I really enjoy. And I don't get to do as much of that as I did five or six years ago uh the next part that i really enjoy i and this sounds boring but i love business processes i love what software can do to business processes i love that i can do an hour of work and it saves an hour a week forever
0: yeah um, yeah i totally understand i i used to back in college i was i was a assistant director and then later on director for a printing press that was that was run by the college. and before, Actually, before I was assistant director, I was just a work study, just a student helper. And as I was a student helper, I realized, hey, guys, if you just move that telephone over there, like, you'd save a whole lot of walking back and forth. And it's stupid little stuff like that. It's like, hey, if we move the copier from that room to this room, and if we bought in bulk this way instead of that way, we're saving money, we're saving time, we're doing all this. And I love that stuff. Like if you just look around and see what can be accomplished if I just move stuff around, you know, that that can be huge. And so I totally feel you on that because, um, that was like my favorite thing to do while in college was working that job because there was always room for improvement no matter what. And you could always poke around and say, you know what, how can we save money or make things more efficient? Efficiency is just like, love that stuff. So yeah, I, I can totally understand that. So, so that's kind of you really get into that business side of things. Mm-hmm. And the toughest part, uh, I find.
1: I mean, I'm not the other traditional side of CEO kind of kind of roles. I'm not as comfortable with and don't like as much. I'm not a glad hander. I'm not. I don't like local functions. I don't like giving speeches. I don't like being in the spotlight. I don't like, I'm really, hate, I'm sorry to say this early, but interviews, not my strong suit. <laughs> um, uh,
2: well, you're doing great, so don't worry about that. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I, I, I can understand that. I mean, you, you're obviously, you know, since day one, you're like in, in the mix of it and you just haven't gotten out of it. And nor should you, because that's what you do really, really well. And that's what you enjoy, too. So, So that's fantastic. I'm much
1: better at solving problems than I am at standing up in front of people and talking about stuff. And, you know, and that's that's the part that I enjoy. I like fixing things, making them better. Do you have a favorite? I loved Legos as a kid. It's Did the you? Same, I think it's the <laughs> same
0: impulse. You know, I think you're right, though. It's like a Legos Tetris thing, yeah. but but where, like, um, you know, money and time are concerned. So, you know, the better you work with this this Tetris field, You know, the more money and time you save, you know, it's a...
1: a... And it's not just money and time saved. It's quality of what we do improve. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. if we can save time and achieve the same quality, it means we probably can improve quality in the same amount of time we were spending before. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can see in all aspects of the company, um, our our really obvious one in efficiencies improving things you can ninety nine percent of the time place an order on smokingpipes.com at four PM and it's shipping the same day if you if you pick UPS because USPS picks up earlier. I mean that's getting it the getting the quality of service there right is all about how do we get it out the door efficiently and correct. Yeah. We only screw up one package in about every four hundred. Wow. Um, and so our Rate of errors is really important to us that we send people what they ordered. Yeah. Um, so that that has demonstrable effect on the on the quality of the customer experience. Um, similarly, every time we figure out how to make photo processing more efficient, it usually historically has led to better quality photos or more photos rather than just doing it with fewer people. Right. Um, so it's it, it's a it's two sides of the same coin. I mean, you know, I can be relentless on uh, on efficiency in order to save money or I can be relentless on efficiency because it lets us make, do a better job.
0: And listeners, if you didn't pick up on this already, which, which I already have, and I'm not positive if this is, if this is in the earlier recording or not, but, but more than twice today, as I'm sitting here talking with Sykes, I'll say something about efficiency or saving money and Sykes will bring it right back to quality. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but that's a big deal for me because, you know, if we're, if we're always and forever just talking about bottom lines and cutting corners and doing it, you know, faster and quicker, we're missing a huge chunk of what it means to be a really successful business. And obviously Sykes knows exactly all about that, but it's, it's really cool to, to hear him immediately go right back to quality. And that says a lot about a business owner. We can sit here and talk numbers all day and say, well, you know, what's your margin here? What's your margin there? But when Sykes brings it back to quality, guys, that is huge. That is a big deal. And you can tell it is absolutely on the forefront of what he does here. And that's very, very cool to see. Um, do you have a favorite
1: pipe shape that you smoke? Sort of. Um, I like apples. I like variations on that theme. I like billiards. I like variations on that theme. Um, my pipe collection is so all over the place, though.
0: That was my next question. So do you have a a big collection, a small collection, an eclectic one, a focus one? It's pretty
1: eclectic. Uh, and I don't know... First of all, I'm not even really sure how big it is, but I don't think it's that big. It's not... I mean, people, I think, would presume I, I'd have hundreds and hundreds of pipes, and I just don't. I have maybe 70 or 80 or maybe 100. Um, but some of them are at the office, and some of them are in my bag, and some of them are at the house in, like, four different spots. Um, so I'm not really sure how many I have. But it's all over the place, from uh, uh, from factory pipes, Savinelli's and Peterson's, uh, to... Everson's uh, um, and I mean I'm smoking a 7LA Petite 202 which I uh, just got yesterday and I'm like super duper excited about it. Um,
0: you know we were talking about that pipe this morning so so tell me what you what you really dig about this pipe.
1: I really really like how thin the shank is. Um, I love the, the ratio of the shank to the bowl. I like the classic apple roundness of the bowl. Um, I like the color, I like the band. Um, it's an acrylic stem that's, that's really very comfortable, um, which, uh, doesn't happen, I don't want to say it doesn't happen all that often, but it doesn't happen all the time. Um, I just dig this little pipe. It doesn't weigh anything. Um, I like pipes. I like smaller pipes, um, because I tend to work while, while smoking a pipe, so I can keep it in my mouth while I'm working. Apples and billiards and relatively small kind of, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> but I have a, I mean, I have a. A decent number of crazy tokatomis that don't fit that that i love too yeah so it's for different reasons for different reasons i don't smoke really big pipes for yeah
0: what what are a few of your favorite tobaccos or or even types of blends that you enjoy more than others
1: i tend to mostly be virginia pariks um or straight virginias i'm smoking savonely brunello flake today uh i've probably smoke more GLP's to Delight than anything else, but it it's all over the place. I smoke a lot of uh, Cornell and Deal by Morning Flake, um, Cornell and Deal Exhausted Rooster. Uh, I smoke a lot of um, a couple of different McBarrons. I, I like Navy Flake a lot. I like the New Modern Virginia. I've been smoking a lot of that. Um, that's more of a free aromatic um, lately, and I'm sure I'm going to be pilloried for this, but... Um, Lately, I've been uh, really enjoying a very specific kind of aromatic, not, not particularly uh, – not a traditional American aromatic, but I've been enjoying more sort of Danish style, um, like, like the Modern Virginia from, from McBaron. I've been smoking a lot of Autumn Evening from Cornell and Dale. it been sort of a departure for me lately, but right. I don't know. It's hit some sort of
0: well, you know, spot I, for me. I, we were talking about this earlier. I love English blends, but every so often I just get on a, a sweet kick. And and it's just a, a, an interesting diversion for me to um, kick out some some quality aromatics
1: and change things up. You know, I, it's just a lot of fun. I don't know. I enjoy it too. And I think I think a lot of the most interesting things being done with pipe tobaccos these days are um, you know light to moderate flavoring on on really high quality components and executed well. Um, so things like Modern Virginia, I think, uh, for me, is one of the most interesting ones that, that we've seen in a while. Um, Autumn Evening's been out for a long time, but um, oddly enough, for me, uh, uh, in my relationship to the factory, it's actually a relatively new discovery. I'd never smoked it until like three months ago. Um, uh, but you can achieve really interesting flavor profiles that don't have sort of a classic aromatic kind of character. Um, with flavorings I think that I think there are a lot of interesting things going on in that space right now.
0: when you're not completely consumed by
1: the business, what do you like to do? I'm often I'm rarely not completely consumed by the business um, I uh, even today I mean it's not as bad as when you know we were in startup phase um, but but even today I still probably work 60 plus hours a week. Um, and so I, I, other stuff I like to do, um, I like to cook. I like to read. Uh, I am still plotting my way through a graduate degree, so I should be spending more time on that than I am. Um, what do you like to read? My reading interests are pretty eclectic. I, I like, um, when I was not a, graduate student, I read a lot of history. Now that I'm a graduate student, I read a lot of history, but, but it sort of falls in a different bucket now, and I do it in a different way. Uh, just for fun, it's it's mostly, it's mostly fiction, and it's really all over the place. I mean, it's, it's everything from fairly serious stuff to um, trash sci-fi on airplanes. So <laughs> it's, I, I do not discriminate. Excellent. Tell me one thing about yourself
0: that I would never guess about you. Or that maybe people, nobody
1: knows. Or very few people know. Very few people. I guess the most, the most telling thing about me, and I think that there's, it's pretty obvious from spending some time with me or, or um, reading stuff I've written on all sorts of subjects, is that I, I really like to take, break them down in a very academic sort of way. Um, I, I like business processes, business at, at the company as, as an intellectual exercise. It it it's, it's fascinating for me, and and I like the process of historical research, um, even though they're completely different, um, because there's a uh, a sort of methodological meticulousness to both um, that, that appeals to me. I like playing. I like playing with numbers. I like playing with words. I like. Um, I'm one of those people, and in, in this—I I am one of those people that's far more interested in, or somewhat more interested in ideas than I am people. Um, and I think my wife is exactly the opposite. She's far more interested in people than she is in, uh, you know, in ideas. Um, but I—I'm I, fascinated with, um, you know, meticulous intellectual processes. Uh, and uh, I don't know whether that, that's probably a lot of that's coming from an academic family. My whole family is kind of like that. Um, and so, you know, in, in many ways, I'm sort of a weird uh, weird leader for this company because I'm, I'm much more uh, focused on, you know, getting things right in an operational way than I am in um, the, this sort of public face traditional role that, that my role would imply, I don't know.
0: Right, right. Yeah. So when you said you like to play with words, tell me what that means. What were you thinking when you said that?
1: Way back in the early 2000s, um, I was figuring out what the flavor of smoking pipes should be. And naturally at the time, uh, I felt like it should be very literary. Part of this is because the, the web has come a long way graphics-wise in the last 15 years. And, and part of that was just, this is what I know how to do. I know how to write. Uh, so I started writing pipe descriptions, and the pipe descriptions got more serious and became serious art criticism in pipe descriptions. Um, and uh, uh, that probably hit its its apex in 2004, 2005, but that still runs through the character of how we talk about pipes. No one had really done that before yep. that. Uh, and that was an exercise and sort of intellectual play for me. Like, how do I write about pipes in a... How should pipes be written about? How? What kind of language can I borrow from other fields to write about them? Uh, how do I craft, uh, craft a pipe description to convey its its, you know, what's interesting about it or its artistic merits? Speaking of which, so, you know, obviously, um,
0: you guys go through a whole lot of of effort doing just that writing. There is so much writing involved with what you guys do that it boggles my mind because you know pick a pipe pretty much online at smokingpipes.com, read the description, and it's like, holy crap, like somebody wrote all that about this one pipe that may be online for five minutes. Maybe online longer than that, but good God. So when when you guys go through that, that you know, that's a lot of work first of all, so kudos to you guys. But but you know not just the pipe descriptions, but, you know, when I get my newsletter and I and I read, you know, the very first thing that pops up in my email in your newsletter, how do you guys come up with that, and, and how does that back and forth go?
1: There's a lot of literary freedom here. Um, and so we schedule different people to write the intro different, you know, different slots. Eric writes a lot of them, Andy writes a lot of them, but, uh, you know, I write some, Ted writes some, Josh writes some, Jeremy writes some, um, Adam writes some, uh, so it's a lot of different people, and it's their piece. It's not, it, there is not a, we want an intro about fill in the blank. It's, it's, what do you want to write about? Um, and, I think that gives them an immediacy and, a, and sort of a, um, an intimacy that would not exist if it were more of a planned process. It also means that some of them are a lot better than others. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know, and it's and it's a constant process of, of refinement and and say, well, you know, we we did that newsletter intro, and really, we shouldn't ever do that again. Um, but uh, but I think on the whole, it leads to us producing a whole lot of, of at least pretty good stuff. It is.
0: It's it's. It's very good, and it's surprising for an online kind of of business to to have that kind of interest and in depth in something that can be seen as very fleeting i mean even a single pipe like like I'm thinking of you know it may only be online very a very short amount of time, and yet you know someone has written you know a decent paragraph about it you know that's uh But that pipe is important to us, and it's
1: important to the guy that bought it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Sykes, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, chat with me today. It has been an absolute pleasure, and I really appreciate it. Well,
1: thank you so much, Oli. I really appreciate being on the show.
0: Okay, so that's the end of the interview. But real quick, I want to just interject something. Um, Father's Day this year, I received a pipe that my son picked out. I had nothing to do with it, didn't know what I was getting, didn't know I was even getting a pipe. Um, It was purchased through smokingpipes.com and my oldest son Brody actually chose it for me. And what's really fascinating to me is that he chose it all by himself, just decided he wants it to look this way and found a pipe at smokingpipes.com that he liked and I received it for Father's Day and it just it's just so cool to see someone without any kind of oh dad wants this kind of pipe or dad needs to have a straight billiard or whatever just kind of go with what his gut feeling is and what he likes because um, it just is what it is. You see it, you have this gut reaction you're like, yep, I don't know why I like it but I like it. So um, Brody chose a wonderful artistic, sculptural bent pipe for me. So, what I got was a really unique Randy Wiley bent pipe. And I'll treasure it forever, of course. It's a it's a crazy piece. It's a really interesting, bizarre piece that that you know randy did some some really cool things by following the grain the way he did but um it's just it's just fascinating to have that happen and and I'm glad for um smoking pipes to be there for um you know just such an event that's that that my son could could actually peruse and you know with Mama's okay actually uh, pick something out for me for Father's Day 2015 that was very special. So uh, thank you guys at SmokingPipes.com. Thank you, Randy Wiley, for actually creating the piece and bringing it all together for my Father's Day. Good stuff.
3: I'm Joshua Burgess, uh, originally from Birmingham, Alabama. I've been with SmokingPipes.com since June of, of last year, so about a year and a half now.
0: And what's your job here?
3: I'm the uh, general manager for SmokingPipes.com. Uh, also responsible for um, Low Country Pipe and Cigar as as part of that. And tell me, kind of basically, what your day to day type
0: of of things you do. What what does that look like?
3: Well, a lot of that is um, is just checking in, making sure that uh, all of the departments that I'm responsible for uh, have what they uh, have what they need. Um, I still work with with quite a few customers. I do a state pipe uh, evaluations and, um, just really jump in where I'm needed. Um, sometimes that means, uh, putting in, uh, pipes into the system. Sometimes it means running back to restoration and buffing a little bit of compound off of, um, off of a pipe. So I pretty much jump in where I can. Um, you know, you said you do some, some, um,
0: Looking at at estates, right, and mm-hmm. and evaluating those. What's what's the craziest thing you've ever you've ever seen come through here?
3: <laughs> I uh, the sometimes weird is good, and sometimes weird is just just weird. So we do see some strange pipes come through that are a lot of fun. You know, stuff that we'll see from turn of the uh, of the twentieth century, which is really interesting to see those uh, early twentieth century pipes come through. as fun. I did see a tray of pipes once, and there were some Dunhills in there. And they were so dirty that I couldn't tell if they were sandblasted or or smooth. They, no they had so much cake on them. So um, that's probably the craziest thing I've I've seen.
0: What would you say is the most interesting thing about working here?
3: Um, I think interacting with with fellow pipe smokers is probably the most interesting thing about working here, and I mean that in terms of the people that we have on on staff. It's just a nice collegial atmosphere. In some ways it's like working for a pipe club. So that aspect of, of working here is really interesting. And getting to interact with with customers, with pipe smokers, uh, is a lot of fun too. And it's interesting to me to realize that many of these guys who call to place a tobacco water, they don't have other pipe smokers that they interact with. So to get to talk with guys like that is is really interesting and a lot of fun for me for me too. Are you allowed to smoke a pipe while you work? Yes. yes, I'm smoking
0: a pipe now. Actually, you know, it's 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 funny. This this was kind of um, something that I had planned to ask everyone, and before I got here, I I was thinking, you know, I wonder if that's going to be, because um, I, I honestly I assumed that you guys would not be able to smoke indoors, mm-hmm. and so you know, it's funny because I had set this up as okay, I'm going to ask them can you smoke a pipe while you work, the answer is going to be no, and I'm going to give him some ribbing about that. And I, I walk in this morning, and, and Adam Davidson says, Holy, where's your pipe? <laughs> Why aren't you
3: smoking? And I was just like, man, that's that's awesome. I remember when I came down to interview um, in summer of t- of 2013, and I had the same thought. I wonder if I'm able to, to smoke there. And so I brought one pipe just in case. The interview went on for for quite a while, and I smoked several bowls while I was here that that (laughs) morning, so it was was nice. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Do you have a favorite pipe shape? I do. Um, My favorite pipe shape is the Rhodesian, and I think there are lots of interesting riffs on the Rhodesian. If you look at the interpretations that artisans are doing today, um, they do some very interesting things with the shape. My favorite variation, though, honestly, is the, the old English variation on the shape uh, a commoise or a gbd the very chubby rhodesian that's my favorite shape and why do you like that shape more than anything else
0: <laughs> what you, is it is it just purely an aesthetic thing a lot of it
3: is an aesthetic thing um you know ever since i started smoking a pipe i was attracted to that to that shape i like the bead line i like the compact proportions but i've also found that they really do lend themselves to the blends that i've Tend to smoke, whether that's uh, more Latakia blends in the, in the winter, or whether it's Virginia Flakes in the summer. They just have a nice conical chamber, the size is just right for me, so um, they're really functional and I have that long-standing attraction to the shape.
0: Now, you're not smoking one today, tell me about I'm what not. you're smoking
3: today. This is uh, an interesting find actually. Um, one day, it was about this time last year actually, Adam Davidson walked into my office and he was waving this pipe around and he says, you know, we can't sell this. And so um, he put it on my desk and Adam very often likes to play these sort of games where he found something wrong with the pipe and now he wants me to find the same thing. So um, I started examining the pipe under my lamp and said, Adam, I don't see any reason why we can't sell this, what's the problem? And there was a tiny surface crack on the... Um, the mortise face and sure enough it probably left the factory that way but we weren't comfortable selling it and so Adam said Merry Christmas here you keep this. I didn't like the shape um, you know it wasn't appealing to me rusticated finish which I didn't want any more rusticated pipes but Adam had given it to me and so I felt some obligation to to light it up and as much as I loved the Rhodesian this little Costello was probably my favorite pipe. No um, kidding. It it smokes Virginia's like a dream. Everything you put in here, it seems to bring out the, the sweetness. And I also keep it as a, a kind of reminder of that day that Adam came in. It was a really generous thing to do. And it also reminds me to um, keep an open mind that looks maybe deceiving. I didn't like this pipe, but it, it's proved to be a great companion. Now, that's, that's a really interesting
0: point, because I know that I have stumbled upon very similar situations with shapes or finishes or uh even brands that i wasn't ready uh to give you know any kind of thought to and then for whatever reason ended up buying one having it gifted to me or whatever and then and realizing hey this is something maybe not better than what i expected but different than what i expected for any number of reasons so that's yeah i who knows when you're going to stumble upon you know that next really good smoker or um a new brand that you hadn't considered before um because for me I'm very much I, I really love uh ish uh chubby billiards I just I just love them but every so often you know something will come my way and I'm like oh I'll give that a shot and case in point I have I have an incredibly dainty um three-quarter bent Peterson, which is not at all in my kind of focused idea of, of what I like. And Man, I love that pipe. It's, it's crazy. Mm. But yeah, you never know.
3: That's a great story. Yeah, love the, that. You know, it's one of the things that makes the hobby a lot of fun, I think, is that you never really know. There's that, that element of mystery with the briar. You never really know what it's going to be like until you until you, you smoke it. And not just smoke it once, but really get to uh, to know the pipe. So there's some pieces that I that I buy regularly. I mean if I if a GBD Rhodesian comes along, I tend to jump on that pipe and and buy it because I love the shape. But uh, I think it's important to keep an open mind and um you know just let the pipe speak to you and get to know it and sometimes you'll find some some nice surprises. And that story too um kind of rolls over into
0: tobaccos too. There's a whole lot of you know I love English blends but there's a whole lot of stuff that surprises me pretty regularly when I kind of go outside of that, my comfort zone, and go, whoa, hey, that's kind of cool. So you never know. Um, If you were me, and you were from out of town, where would you go to lunch?
3: Uh, Good question. I think I would go to to Mr. Woods, which was just across from our old location, and where the brick-and-mortar store is still located, so just across the road. It's an old country store, and they have a kind of diner atmosphere now. Uh, He has a tried-and-true formula for his lunch special every day. It is a fried piece of meat of some sort, fried chicken, fried pork chop, fried something. Uh, It will have a starch, uh, mashed potatoes with gravy, uh, or rice with gravy, and there will be some sort of lackluster vegetable, but uh, really really quite good, good place to go. (laughs) Some um, sort of lackluster vegetable. It's always some sort of canned vegetable, and it's perfectly fine. You know, it's on your plate to be something green. And um, (laughs) the thing I like about Mr. Wood is that I I went there once a week for a year, and every time I left, he said, please come back and see us. And, you know, he didn't have to say that. I was going to come back. I'd been coming back for a long time. But I like that he didn't take that sale for granted, right. and um, it was inspiring in a way. I, you know, that's the sort of feel I want to leave our customers with. That um, you know, we've had customers who've been doing business with us for a long time, and we appreciate that, and never want to take it for granted. Always want to, uh, always want to show appreciation for the for the business. That's excellent. Do you have a favorite tobacco? Um, I, I do have a favorite tobacco, and uh, regretfully, it is it is going to be discontinued. Um, that is Stockton from from McBaron. Um, really, really nice smoke, um, but that one's that one's gonna be going away. What other tobaccos do you like smoke right now? Uh, Full Virginia Flake uh, is a favorite. That's what I'm smoking right now, actually. Um, I undertook a little project for myself uh, at the first of the year, which was to smoke all of the GLP's blends. So I have been slowly working my way uh, through the through the line. And uh, have made it onto the classic collection. Now I'm just about to finish that up. I'm finishing a tin of uh, of Kensington uh, right now.
0: What out of the GLPs that you've that you've experienced so far? Um, what do you like the best so far?
3: I have I have argued before that Cumberland is Pisa's best best blend. I think that's a great blend. And um, Greg gets a whole lot of credit for the work he does with Latakia. and that's that's justly celebrated part of his part of his blending um i think his underappreciated genius though may be dark-fired kentucky which i think he's a master at working with he did it with um with jackknife plug uh he did it with with cumberland he's done it again with sixpence so i think uh, greg has a lot of talent there that people don't always always realize interesting Uh, interesting I'm i'm gonna have to uh um
0: vet that out i'm gonna have to to see uh take some samples of of those three and, and take another closer look at those. Very cool. Very cool. Um, do you, do you brag about your job to family and friends maybe a little bit more than you should?
3: (laughs) I, I try not to, you know, and, um, you know, it's, it's sometimes hard not to, uh, rub in the fact with my dad, especially that I get to smoke a pipe at work and, um, you know, he he sometimes will slip out during the during the day to have a, a quick puff on his pipe, but um, yeah, I I rub that in a little bit. But you know, we're very lucky to be working here, and um, not everybody gets to work in a place like this. Um, not everyone has the the company culture that we have here, and not everyone gets to work with products that they really enjoy and love. So we're we're very lucky, and I try to keep that keep that in mind.
0: Was it your dad that got you into pipe smoking?
3: No, actually, it was the other way around. I got my dad into um, into pipe smoking. Um, I had an uncle when I was a kid who was a smoker, and um, I had a lot of admiration for him, and he had a horse barn, and I would go over and help him there, and he always smoked a pipe while he was feeding the horses in the morning, and um, I was just enchanted by that smell, and so he, more than anyone else, uh, prompted me to take up the pipe, and um after I started working here my dad was curious about what this was all about so last christmas i got him a pipe and a tin of tobacco and he really embraced the embraced the hobby
0: wow that's fantastic cuz usually it goes the other way around yeah. you know that's that's very cool um, tell me something about yourself that no one knows or or might never guess
3: ooh that's a, that's a tough one only um I think part of it is that I, I grew up on a farm. I really miss that sort of um, sort of farm labor, um, you know. Since that time, I have uh, moved to a small town, work here in an office. Uh, before I came here, I I taught American history at the University of South Carolina. But I am um, I'm a farm boy at heart, and uh, really like to put my overalls on and get get in the mud. What kind of farm did you uh, grow up on? We had chickens. We had horses. Um, you know, we had some. We had some cows. Uh, so a, a little bit of everything. Uh, we had a lot of chickens, though. We had we had chicken houses. We had actually a hundred thousand chickens. Holy! So cow. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was a uh, it was quite an undertaking. Well, now, and,
0: what was what was part of your duties on the farm?
3: Um, when the chickens are small, you feed them by by hand, and as they grow up, they require a lot of care. So you walk through every day and take care of those and keep them for six weeks and basically raise them from the day that they're hatched until the um, until the catchers come and, and take them away. So growing up, it was odd to me the idea of having a summer job because I always had a job waiting for me at home, and um, it was a real pleasure for me the first time I got the chance to actually work outside of the, outside of the farm because that's what I did every summer. Right, okay. right. So when you say the catchers would come...
0: Take the chickens. These were these were transported to uh, happy places where where people
3: would pet them and things like that, right? Right. Uh, very pets, uh, basically. Right, basically pets, and uh, you know they never had to worry about winding up on someone's plate or uh, or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, one of my good buddies that that you know
0: worked on a, a farm forever. When when someone would ask him about, well, you know, once when you when you take your your cow that you've been raising for for so long to market or, or if someone comes to pick it up you know how do you deal with that and he's like look man that cow has one bad day in its life that's it
3: that, and i'm like yeah. you know what that's a pretty good that's that's all i can deal with that you know that's true and and some cows have especially cushy existences we used to um we would take cows to the fair and show them so there were certain cows that were raised to be show cows that was sort of fun. And I had my, had my show cow, but she had a very plush life. She lived in a stable and ate hay, um, all the time. So she had a really nice, really nice existence. Wow. That's interesting. But one of my, one of my favorite observations is that the person who grows up on, on a farm never really feels like he works again after he, (laughs) after he leaves. And there is some, some truth to that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When I was, when I was young, um, my dad and his brothers and sisters um, had a, a fern business down in Florida, and so as, uh, as kids would pull weeds. That's kind of what we did, you know, free labor. And so we were constantly pulling weeds, and when I got a little bit older, we could actually cut fern. And it, this is fern that is, that is grown in fields that is harvested in such a way where you cut it and you put it into bunches, and those bunches go into boxes, and eventually that ends up at a, a – wholesale florist and they in turn uh sell it to a retail florist and then it goes into a bouquet of flowers and mm. and that's it. So this is it's this isn't plants that you're selling. This is you know cut greenery that has a very short lifespan. And um yeah, so we we as kids we did a whole lot of outside labor type stuff. And so um yeah I can agree with that. You know, and any job after that
3: is kind of like yeah yeah, I can handle this. And sometimes you feel a little guilty, like you're you're skirting it. Am I sweating as much as I should? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right,
0: uh, man. Thank you, thank you very much for uh, sitting down and giving me this little quick uh, snippet of an interview um, with you at SmokingPipes.com, Josh. That's really sure, cool. Sure, ab- really absolutely.
3: It. It's a real pleasure to uh, to chat with you. Uh, my
4: name is Pete Cochler,
2: and uh, I've been with the company two and a half years. I'm originally from Buffalo, New York. What brought you down from Buffalo? Cold. <laughs> it's uh, too cold?
0: Yeah. So uh, so how long were you in Buffalo
2: before you made the trip down south? Well, I, it was kind of a progression. I, you know, I, I moved out of Buffalo at the age of, I think I was 11 or 12. My father's job changed, and he kind of moved us around a little bit. We ended up in Pennsylvania for a while, which is where I stayed for many, many years. And in 1994 is when I moved to South Carolina with my wife. And what do you
0: do for smokingpipes.com again? I'm the videographer. Okay. So so tell me exactly kind of uh,
2: what that means as far as the website goes. Uh, on the uh, all the high-grade, mid-grade pipes, there's a price point uh, where once you get past that point, all the... Uh, Anything over that gets a um, a video. It also, when they're taking photographs, it gets into more pictures because we're trying to, you know, just show the grains and the style of the pipe and, you know, just give them a little more to look at. Mm-hmm. And uh, what would you say is the most interesting thing about working here? A uh, couple things, really. Uh, the people that I work with are incredible. Um, just a wonderful team of people that you know we work together as a family and to get many many different kinds of projects done um, the other neat thing is being able to look at all these new pipes that come through here is uh, uh, incredible they're works of art you know and uh, I didn't know much about pipes before I you know started working here and it's uh, been an education for sure and and so do you smoke a pipe no i don't
0: but you get to you get to see all these these high grades and 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 mid grades and and get a really really um, hands-on you know
2: focused look at, at these things and you appreciate them as, as art yeah? yes I do you know and, and pretty much anything from the midst to the high grade they every single one of them goes through my hands so you know I get to see them all that's cool yeah so are there are there any times when you're like man I
0: might I might have to start
2: collecting these things A little bit, you know, kind of considering, you know, maybe smoking a little bit here and there.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: Haven't gotten to that yet, but uh, I just, uh, I really have come to uh, understand the grain and the orientation of how they make these things. And uh, uh, these guys are artists. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. If you were me, being from out of town, where would
2: you go for lunch? Here? uh, For lunch? Little River Deli. Where's that at? Right up, uh, probably about three, four miles up on the left, right here on Route 9. And what's the best thing there to eat? Uh, They have many different sandwiches. The guy that owns the place, actually, I know. He's from New York, and it's kind of like New York deli sandwiches. Okay, okay. So, you know, pastrami on rye and, um, you know, different kinds of... uh, He has... You know different kinds of subs and cheesesteaks and all kinds of different things. So a little um, taste of home for you. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Right. It's, do you... it's it's definitely. Uh, my uncle used to have a place like that up in New York, and it's kind of almost like stopping in to see it.
0: Right, right. Do you ever get back to uh, up north to whether it's Pennsylvania or Buffalo or anything like that?
2: Um, occasionally, I do, and I I'm sad to say it's mostly for like a funeral or weddings or you know things like that it's, right it's such a far track and my schedule is pretty demanding uh, that i don't get a lot of chance to get up there anymore
0: do you brag about your job to your family and friends maybe a little bit more than
2: you should <laughs> yeah i don't i don't i don't know if it's bragging <laughs> other than the fact of that i'm just really happy where i am and what i do and who i work with and uh uh, like I said before, just an incredible bunch of people. Tell me something about yourself that no one knows or I might never guess. Yeah. One of the things that I do other than here is, uh, I'm a musician. Oh, really? What do you, what do you, what do you play? I'm a bass player. No kidding. And, uh, what What do you like to play? Uh, I'm an old rock guy, you know, yeah. from the seventies and stuff. I like a lot of the progressive classic rock bands, but, uh, I work with a variety band that we play on the weekends and stuff. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Uh, during the summertime, you know, we're pretty busy, you know, with all the beach being not far from here. Oh, I bet. So you get lots of gigs yeah. during the summertime, right? Yeah. We play quite a bit. You know, I might play three four times a week during the summer. Right now, it's just a couple times a month because things slow down yeah. in the winter months. But uh, we do a full band thing where I'm playing bass. And also, I'm one of the singers with the female singer that I work with. and We do a duo, an acoustic version of it where I'm playing acoustic guitar. So it's, you know, it's just fun. Wow, that's awesome. I actually got two really cool gigs. That's great. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, very, very happy about that. So it's Actually excited every morning when I wake up to to, (laughs) go look at more stuff and do more
0: things. That's very cool. Well, Pete, man, thank you very much for uh, taking a little bit of time out of your busy schedule to chat with me, man. I really appreciate it.
5: Uh, No problem.
2: Glad, Glad to hang out with you.
5: Okay.
6: My name is uh, Andrew Wyke. Everyone calls me Andy. I'm from Harmony, North Carolina. It's like the foothills. Um, and I've been with Smoking Pipes for about five, six months now.
0: Oh, yeah. So uh, tell me how you – how because you, that's that's pretty recent, right? So yeah. tell me
6: how you found the job here. Okay. So I was a freelance writer. I uh, just graduated. I've been doing freelance for about a year. Um, and I was online looking for freelance gigs one day, and I came across – an ad for a Smoking Pipes Copywriter position, I was like, man, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I had followed Smoking Pipes for a little bit before and bought some stuff, and, uh, you know, it was just a great opportunity right up my alley. So you were already, this is crazy, so so you were already a
0: pipe smoker. Right, yeah. And then you, and as a freelance writer, you stumble upon a yeah. opportunity <laughs> where you can actually write for SmokingPipes.com, right. who you, you
6: already bought stuff from. Right. Wow, and yeah. you were in the area. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's, it's like a, <laughs> I think it was like a, a 250, 300 mile drive uh, move down here. So, but yeah, man, I've been smoking pipes for like uh, three, four years before this. And
0: How'd you get into smoking pipes?
6: Um, well, I started when I was like a freshman in college. Uh, it was probably a more of a pretentious artist sort of thing <laughs> than it was right. anything else. But, you know, it's just a really cool hobby and it's something that like, uh you can do it with a lot of friends and it's communal and uh you know there's just a lot of camaraderie and stuff there too and just the sheer variety of tobaccos and pipes out there i think is what interested me the most and kept the passion going what's the most interesting thing about working here the most interesting thing about working here well aside from the sheer amount of pipes that we get to describe and handle on a daily basis most of them being like you know extremely you know awesome artistic expressions you know um the people i think just working with such a great group of people creative minded um everyone's very tolerant uh very lighthearted atmosphere and you know just a great place to work i think
0: and you're allowed to smoke your pipe yeah you
6: you know that's a big thing too you know
0: know, i did i honestly and i was i was telling josh this earlier i honestly didn't think i'd be able to smoke indoors and that was that was part of my questions like do you get to smoke pipe indoors? And and thinking <laughs> they would say, no, you can't. And I was going to kind of rib them about that. Yeah. You know, like, what kind of place is this? And the first thing that happens, <laughs> I walk in know. the door. Yeah, and, and Adam's like, where's your pipe? Why aren't you smoking? And I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome.
6: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely cool. Like, uh, you'll probably see a pipe in my mouth about 80 to 90% of the time. <laughs> Do you have a favorite pipe shape? Favorite pipe shape? Well, if you look at my collection... It's mostly billiards and apples. <laughs> I really like apples. Um straight apples. Uh most of my shapes are 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 straight shapes. Um, not really fond of bent shapes. I mean, I like them every now and then, but most of my collection is straight. Um love Sandblast. You know, um, I think I have one smooth pipe.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You have a pretty big collection or
6: um, it's growing. It's not as big as I'd like for it to be. Um, when I came here, most of my pipes weren't really high quality pipes. They weren't really made by any venerable mark or maker or artist or anything like that. So, uh, it's growing. I probably have a good, a good tin in my rotation right now that I smoke on a regular basis.
0: And do you have a favorite tobacco?
6: Favorite tobacco? Probably St. James Flake. Really? Okay with Yeah, St. James Flake. I don't know, man. It's like that's that's super seasonal for me too. Like I, I I'm starting to get into more English blends and stuff like that now, and it's getting colder. In the summertime, it's Virginia Perique.
0: Really, so, I got gotcha. you. Okay, so. so if you were me and you were you know from out of town, where would you go for lunch?
6: For lunch, right down the road to Jay's Asian Fusion.
0: Oh, really? Tell me about it.
6: They have like really cheap, really good sushi specials. You can get sashimi, a big plate of sashimi for ten bucks so we're, we're, we're with a soup and salad and all that kind of stuff too. So it's
0: a pretty cool place. Tell me something about yourself that nobody knows or maybe I would never guess
6: well, I'm blind in one eye,
0: are you really yeah, and it were you we <laughs> yeah really- yeah, yeah absolutely, so were you blind in one eye
6: since birth or this happened? Um, When I was like 12, I was downstairs in my basement and I was swinging a wire around. You know how you like like swing keys around or whatever, just, you know, nonsensical one. Um, It went in my eye. It went like underneath my glasses, into my eye, then back out. Then I immediately developed cataracts and they had to take my lens out and everything. And then um, I was cool for about six months. Uh, I actually got like 20, 20 vision back in that eye with the help of a contact. And then I started having retinal attachments. I had like three of those. And then uh, after that last surgery I developed acute glaucoma. And then it just sort of like spiraled from there and now I'm blind. <laughs> it's cool though, man. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like sixty some years old with like a huge white beard. My eyes are gonna be glazed over, I'm smoking a pipe. You know? <laughs> so that's my ambition in life, to be that guy. You know, I think that's a good ambition.
0: I'm I'm trying to think of a better one. I'm coming up <laughs> blank, man. I don't know. Sure. Um uh oh, Andy, thank you so much for uh taking the time out of your busy day to chat yeah, with man, me, buddy. For that me. is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Thanks Appreciate so it, buddy.
5: Hey, my name is Joe Young. I've been uh with smoke dot com for about a year and a half now, from uh Ohio originally. Moved around quite a bit when I was in the service. And came down here to South Carolina in 2007, and been here ever since.
0: What brought you to South Carolina?
5: Uh, Just a change of pace. Uh, The old town I was from, it's a dead industrial town, so there's really not much job opportunities there anymore, so my brother and I decided to come on down here. And uh, how long were you in service? I was in there for four years, stationed up in uh, North Dakota in the Air Force.
0: Oh, okay. And... uh... Tell me, what is your uh, job description here?
5: Right now I'm a uh, shipping and receiving associate, and mainly any orders that customers make, we pick, pack, process, and get them out the door for them.
0: How did you, you find smokingpipes.com?
5: Well, see, I was going to school full-time uh, for psychology, and of course I was out of out of work, so I was using my GI Bill, uh, living off that. And so I was out of out of work for about a year, and just out of I guess being tired of not being on a funny thing, got on Craigslist and saw this opportunity. And I thought it was too good to be true. Next thing you know, it was like five minutes down the road from where I live. Wow. In our old building. Yeah. Met with some of the guys here, and it was just love at first sight, so to speak. That's awesome. What, um, do you smoke a pipe? Sure do. So of course, I'm a, I would say I'm a novice. I said I've only been into it about a year and a half uh, ever since I got here. What got you into smoking a pipe? Well, one, like the nostalgia of it. Uh, a lot, I watch a lot of old movies and big history buff. And so a lot of, you know, documentaries I watch and you know, movies I watch, you know, you always see it in you know, some of the old timers smoking pipes. And then, of course, when I got the job here, you know, understanding the full spectrum of tobaccos and pipes and the culture of it, it just, you know, it just felt natural. What would you say is the most interesting thing about working here? The most interesting thing would be the chance to work and collaborate with all the different departments, and especially being on a worldwide scale with different pipe makers and understanding the new and you know, the, the, the evolution, so to speak, from you know, what I see as you know, the mainstream you know, styles of pipes and now seeing some of the new stuff coming out seeing how that goes. So tell me about like one of those kind of
0: success stories about about your collaboration with other other departments or or however that
5: works. Well like at this point in time right now um, a couple of the guys in shipping along with myself we're working with the uh, project manager and what we're trying to do right now is to adapt the bulk picking area for the for the orders. Yeah. And kind of mainstream it so it's easier for People that work in shipping to pick it easier, uh, and also inventory reasons, stuff like that. And just recently, um, we started doing. We're going to be starting a uh, culture uh, group, so to speak, of the company. So, <clears throat> a couple people will be getting together, maybe on a monthly basis, one time a month, and just basically discussing how we can all make things smoother here as a company. And uh, if anybody has ideas, they can just bring them to. Them. Kinda of like a think think, right, right. That's very cool. Actually, one thing I really love about this company is is the camaraderie. Um, you know, ever since the military, I've never been in an environment where I felt like I did when I was in service.
4: Mm-hmm. You know,
5: I was like Sykes and Ted. You know, I love working for them. You know, they're great guys, and just seeing you know their passion for the pipes, and the industry itself. It kind of makes you want to do better on your own terms you know, to help progress the movement, so to speak.
0: Do you smoke a pipe while you work?
5: Yeah, I do. It's it's kind of hard when I'm, you know, packing prod, uh, products and stuff. Yeah. So I mean, I smoke a lot of cigarettes while I'm while I'm doing that, but because it's to me, it's more of a relaxing issue. Right. And if I'm moving around left and right trying to hurry up and get orders out, it's you know, kind of hard to keep that in a pipe litter, you're just, you're hot boxing it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's kind of hard. Do you have a favorite pipe shape? Uh, favorite pipe shape, i tell you one I'm intrigued by. I want it, but my wife would probably kill me. It's, uh, <laughs> Nate King. You guys, it looks like a gear, like something like a little steampunk-esque. Yeah, yeah. And, I just fell in love with it as soon as I saw it. I want it, but I know my wife will kill me if I go by it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I don't necessarily have a, a shape that I really like a lot. You know, I would say it was my favorite. Right.
2: And
5: um, you know, to me, it's just you know as long as it smokes well and I can afford it. <laughs> How about uh tobacco? You got a favorite tobacco? Uh, right now I'm trying to get off my uh, vanilla kick mm-hmm. and expand my horizon, so to speak. Right. Cause i mainly I'm smoking uh, Mountain Pass by Sutliff. and. Uh, C and D stuff like Nutty Irish mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that, but I started off with Sutliff and Peter Stoke would be brands at first. Like I said, right now I'm still in the aromatics. I want to venture out and try some of the other stuff.
0: If you were me and and you were from out of town, where would you go for lunch?
5: For lunch, I would probably go down to Chris's Pub. Why is that? Yeah, it's what's, a nice little there? pizzeria, yeah. um, you know? And it's got that environment. You just walk in, and that kind of sounds. Morning, but it's kind of like a cheers atmosphere. Right. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. You know, you got a, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like a little sports bar but it's, it's like the old time feel. You know, the, the old town
0: feel. Right, right. So, uh, do you, do you brag about your job to family and friends maybe a little bit more than you should?
5: I may have. <laughs> uh, like I said, I just got in touch with a buddy from high school this week that I've talked to about two years and I told him, you know, you know, you get situated up because he just moved up to Wisconsin. So I'm gonna send him a pipe and see if he, if he likes it or not. And yeah, so of course, I told him, Hey, go to our website, check it out. You know, you can even see me on there, you know. Stuff. So he's he's like, well, That's pretty cool. Isn't he still the same age, man? So it, it, it's, it's kind of neat being able to talk to my family and, and friends and explain to them. I work for this company, that is one of the biggest proprietors of. Industry and what impresses me here is I would consider myself a ground level employee, but yet my voice is heard mm-hmm. and ideas are bounced back and forth off people. And it's just one of those things where I don't just feel like a grunt, I feel like a contributing factor of the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's what sits real heavy with And I think that's
0: hard to do for any company um but i i think that the way you guys have have managed to do it you know it's nimble and and you're you're it's nimble and it's dynamic in such a way that you know all the pieces not only work together but you guys can tell each other this works this doesn't work how can we fix it and you can actually do that on the fly and keep going so uh you know it's quite a setup you guys got here how do you
5: like how do you like your new home uh, from the other one? It, it took a lot of adjusting the first couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, I mean, perfect example, you know, shipping was confined into a very small garage like area. Um, now, yeah, you know, so everything was right, pretty much arm's length. Now, you know, we kind of put pedometers on our phone to see actually how far we walk in a day.
6: Right. And, you
5: know, some of us reach up to four or five miles. No kidding. Just picking orders and, you know, grabbing other stuff we need for other orders or processing and right. receiving. Yeah. So it's it's definitely a new adjustment. And since now that we have everything here now, now we can see what works, what doesn't work, and we can adapt to make things more efficiently and open up the products. How did you
0: how did you first get into pipe smoking?
5: Uh say so I got the job here and I saw a uh Peter uh Peterson Dracula that I really liked. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe could have been the name or the color of it and stuff like that. And so I went ahead and Picked it up one day and talked to a couple of people and you know, showed me how to pack it. And- so it was after you started working here yeah. that you that you actually started smoking a pipe? Yeah. yeah. So I, no I, I mean, only other thing I really smoked before I got here was cigars. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, go to the store, buy a backwoods and look like Clint Eastwood kind of thing. Right. <laughs> but now it's you know, now I've you been know, here I like some of the, you know, the Rocky Patels and Toronto and stuff like that. So I was like, I know what a good quality cigar is compared to what I was smoking.
0: Right, right. So. Tell me one thing about yourself that no one knows or might never guess.
5: Uh, my exterior doesn't necessarily explain who I am. Like I said, uh, I have kind of one of those monotone faces, so to speak, where it always looks like he's the grumpy guy. But if you know, you sit down and talk to me, you know, I open up quite a bit, and I'll, I'll definitely surprise you. <laughs> how how might you how might you surprise me? What is tell me what's behind that? Well, I said I of the... I would consider myself an Uber geek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, stuff like that. But if you look at me, you probably say, I would not have guessed. So, so you're, a du- you're a big Doctor Who fan? What's your favorite Doctor? Favorite Doctor? It's kind of hard to as <laughs> far as the old school Doctors, I would say Tom Baker. New school, I'm at a toss between David Tennant and Smith.
0: I'm going to go with David Tennant. A lot of people are going to argue with that, but that's just how it is. I, I can't quite... Yet understand Matt Smith as as a doctor, but that's okay.
5: See, I'm still trying to get used to Peter Capaldi right now. Yeah, yeah that's, that's rough. rough. I, like I said, I froze the first episode, and I was like, I don't know, but something about his skull. <laughs> I don't like the way he shaped <laughs> the skull. And I, I was talking to a buddy, works <laughs> and he's like, "What the heck is wrong with you?" I was like, "I don't know. It's just you have a vision of the doctor that you want, and it just it didn't match with it." Yeah, yeah, uh,
0: I think he's so far out of what I expected that I can. I'm okay with it, because it's just so very much not what I was thinking
5: was going to happen. Oh,
0: yeah. But um, I don't know, man. Dave Tennis, I got my wife
5: it. hooked into it, and like I said, I got you know, Dalek toys and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> it, it's awesome. I got my, 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 my five year old son; he's into it too. So oh, that's it's, great.
0: into That's great, Joe. Thank you so much for uh, chatting with me for a little bit here, buddy. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. Hey
7: you take it easy, bud. Good to see you, man. Take care. My name is Jeremy Reeves. Uh, I was born originally in Portalis, New Mexico. And I have been working for smoking pipes for just over
0: a year, about a year and three weeks. And um tell me what your job is here. I work at customer service. Okay. And how did you how did you find
7: Smokingpipes.com. How'd you find the, the job? Well, that's sort of a that's sort of a weird weird avenue, I guess. So I left home from a tiny little town I grew up in in New Mexico when I was 19 and moved to Chicago and then kind of moved around a little bit all over the country and then moved back to Chicago. And when I moved back the second time, I got a job at a cigar store. Uh, in the next year I worked my way up to manager. And, uh, found that I really, really liked the tobacco industry. I really liked cigars. I really liked pipes. Uh, one of, one of the, uh, pipe reps there who is now a customer here, it's sort of cool, gave me my first pipe. Now I sell him pipes. Wow. Yeah. Um, But, uh, I went from the first cigar store, Blue Havana in Chicago to, uh, Working at La Casa del Tobacco, also located in Chicago in a different neighborhood, to working at Yvonne Reese. Then uh, later on down the line, me and my best friend and a couple of others moved to Portland, Oregon from Chicago, and uh, I got into got into working in restaurants more, and uh, ended up ended up kind of at the end of a, at the end of a. a Time where I had been working like eighty-five hour weeks on a pretty regular basis, being head chef and general manager for uh, a wood-fired pizza place in Portland, and uh, kind of doing everything. Um, I mean, I had I had staff under me, but I was I was taking care of every aspect of the business while the owner was and his family were out of town for about a year and a half. Uh and so at the end of that when they came back, I was like, All right, I'm probably out. Like I just I just need to go do something else. This has been cool, but I need to go do something else. So I started looking around. And I spent all you know, all all kinds of time on smoking pipes, uh, had ever since I was working at Yvonne Reese when I first discovered them. And uh so I was on there one day and uh my my girlfriend at the time, now wife, uh but at the time, we were just dating, but I was hanging out looking at looking at smoking pipes. And she was like, what's that little tab down there that says work for us? And I said, oh, that's where they never post any jobs ever. <laughs> and she said, you should click on it. And so I clicked on it, and uh, they had three jobs. And so she's like, what do they have? And I read them to her, and she said, which one sounds good to you? And I said, "They would all be great. <laughs> and she was like, you should send them a resume. And I was like, oh, we're in Portland. Like, why would why would they? You know, like, why Why would they outsource so far away for a customer service position or for an estate restoration position? Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure there are pin, plenty of people closer that are clamoring for these positions and would be good fits. She just kind of kept on me to the point where it was, like, irritating, <laughs> which is really awesome of her right? to yeah, just be yeah. like, hey, have you dusted off your resume yet? Hey, have you sent them a cover letter yet? Right. She just kept on me, and so for four days, every time I talked to her, that was the first thing she said, and that was the last thing she said. (laughs) Until finally, we woke up one morning, and I was like, "Okay, I'm just gonna do this, and this will get her out of my hair about it." start looking at other stuff, you know, that I think that I thought was being more feasible, you know, like I I thought of as being more practical than, you know, this pie in the sky job that's all the way on the other side of the country. So I sent off my resume to get her off my back. And the next morning, Allison, Sykes's wife, called me and said, so we got your resume and we're really impressed no like you know just like what what world is this so they flew me out two weeks later and uh i i moved across the country with my wife uh we we packed as much change as we possibly could into a very short period of time so we changed jobs changed location from one coast to another coast and got married all in a period of two and a half weeks wow and uh and so, yeah, you know, that's why we are a year later, <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny um,
0: because this, this podcast that I've been doing since 2008, mm-hmm. it, it, it happened the same way. Uh, my, my wife was really into podcasts and she said, Hey, you're really into pipes. Why don't you do a pipe podcast? I'm like, no, that's, you know, a, no one's going to listen to it. B that's a whole lot of time, effort, energy. See, um, I've got a million irons in the fire already not going to happen. She kept on me, kept on me, kept on me and and finally I'm like, "Okay. Do it." You know, and I finally did it and it worked out great. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, here's to here's to gals that uh kind of push you, poke and prod. And <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> that is an awesome story, man. So tell me the most interesting
7: thing about working here. <sighs> well, I mean, I that is that is difficult to that is difficult to narrow down to just one thing. There's tons of really interesting people that work here. Uh, you know, there's tons of interesting, interesting sort of like you know industry stuff that you learn that's really cool or really strange, you know, otherworldly sometimes even. But I think I think at the very core of it, the thing that interests me most about working here, is also the thing that interests me, interest me most about pipes, pipe culture uh, in general. That is people. I am, I am totally a people person. And I, I, find people totally fascinating and, and I've been involved in lots of different, you know, sorts of communities where like, you know, this, this one thing or that one thing is sort of a, a thing that people, you know, gather behind, whether it's, uh, whether it's, you know, a particular style of music or whether it's, you know, a, a, well, I mean, you know, like in the work environment, you've got, you've got sort of a team mentality and, you know, amongst, amongst a work community or whatever, but in in pipes in a way that I've never experienced anywhere else. There is a community that literally there is a space for anybody. It's really cool to me. It's crazy to me that I can take so many phone calls throughout the course of a day, that I can take so many emails throughout the course of a day, and that as I get to know these customers, wildly different, politically, social, socially different, uh, you know, our, our, our backgrounds, um, our family backgrounds, our work backgrounds, our, our interests, our levels of interest in pipes, the reasons we smoke pipes, um, our, our philosophies or lack thereof. Um, you know, I mean, it just really like going to a pipe show is so cool to be able to see like what a weird place to find a perfect cross section of literally everything that's available. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like in terms of in terms of people that you encounter, you encounter people who are collectors, not smokers. You you encounter people who are collector smokers. You encounter people who are smokers. You encounter people who are all about just the tobacco, but even more than that, like just the walks of life as varied as I've ever experienced. I've never seen anything like it. And the pipe community is so cool because you can have person A and person B who are from such drastically different backgrounds that if they've crossed paths in just, you know, out there in the world, they would never, they would never come to know one another. Yeah. Yeah. But because they're both smoking pipes, they're probably going to at least give one another a nod. Right. Right. And it's even more likely because they're smoking pipes and because they're pipe smokers that they're probably the type of person who's going to engage, you know what I mean, more than that. And they're going to like I had an experience at the first cigar store that I worked at where there was super super high powered lawyer that was a regular customer and he came in every day and fancy suits, big money, um, you know, real nice guy, but he you know just just everything about him, you, you knew kind of where he stood. Right. We also had a customer who would spare for change. He was homeless. He would spare for change in the area, and when he got enough together to buy a couple of sticks, he would come in and buy, like, a $2 cigar. And they both liked to sit in the in the lounge and smoke. They formed an unlikely friendship. This downtown Chicago lawyer and this, this north side homeless dude started coming in at the same times of day just so that they could meet up and hang out and have a stogie. <laughs> right. If the if they crossed paths in the street, both of them, just based on looking at one another, would know, okay, not my, you know, this is not my person to be friends with. This is, not, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, not you, my tribe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But cigars broke that. Mm-hmm. To the point where, you know, one of them would show up and be like, hey, you know, have you seen, have you seen Dude? And, you know, no, I haven't seen him yet. Or, yeah, he was just in and said he was going to be right back. Or, you know, but they hung out. And I think that's so cool.
0: Yeah. I've never
7: seen that happen over cigarettes. And I've never seen that happen over booze. And I've never seen that happen over virtually any other quote-unquote vice or hobby or whatever. But pipes, cigars, that'll do it. Interesting. It's really cool.
0: Yeah, there's something for whatever reason it's it's a it's a it's like a tribal kind of thing where hey, I do it, you do it and and we're already speaking some kind of similar language. Mm-hmm. So so we can hang out even though I may not look like you and you may not look like me kind of thing. Mhm. Yeah. Do you smoke a pipe while you work? Definitely.
7: What is uh what do you have a favorite pipe shape? if pressed i would probably have to say that my favorite pipe shape is the lumberman yeah that's probably my favorite if and, and and one. why is that it is when when done to to my to my taste which i like i guess you know we all we all sort of think that I, <laughs> to my taste means properly um, but to my eye the the lumberman wind when, when handled correctly is a really elegant shape um, you know the uh, the oval shank and the the handling of the transition from the oval brighter shank to the oval vulcanite saddle um, and then and then you know the I mean, just a long, graceful billiard with this with this short throw saddle stem is already really cool. But then to add the detail of going from a cylindrical bowl to an oval for the shank that has to have a certain amount of taper, otherwise your eye plays tricks on you, and it looks like when you come to the to the saddle that it actually flares out, even if it's perfectly straight. So turning uh, so a cylinder and then turning a cylinder that you can shave down to an oval, and then shaving all of that properly to give it just the right amount of taper that visually is not perceptible, but at the same time, you know, it, it helps your eye not to think that the saddle is actually a flare. There's a lot of, there's a lot of design integrity involved in making a lumberman that really is, really is proper.
0: How about a favorite tobacco
7: that is that is more difficult uh how about how about a
0: tobacco blend kind like are you a virginia guy are you an english guy i am
7: i am I'm all over the place i guess if if it was desert island scenario. I would probably go Virginia
0: Prewitt. Would you? You think you smoke mostly Virginia Prewitt right now?
7: Well, only because I started off the day with uh, with a bowl of Bayou Morning, which. I, that's that's more Virginia and more Paree than <laughs> it sort of tips the scale of that direction for the day. But I've also had a pipe of English, and I'm, I'm smoking an aromatic right now, and uh, I had a uh, bowl of uh, of late '90s full Virginia Flake.
0: So so how cool is it that you can smoke a pipe at work?
7: Just just that. It's really cool. <laughs> uh, there's there's no no way of saying or much about it. It is uh, it is a great thing able to to talk with people about pipes and tobacco while enjoying the same thing
0: so if you were me from out of town where would you go to lunch
7: i would go to uh, jay's asian fusion and why is that Uh, awesome sushi
2: okay really
7: really like and, and i mean and and for the listeners who may not you know be aware we are in long south carolina Probably not a place that you would anticipate finding really fantastic sushi, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say Jay's is uh really legit. So uh do
0: you brag about your job to family and friends maybe a little bit more than
7: you should? No. Um I I brag exactly as much as is warranted. Which is a lot, right? It, it is. It's totally warranted. Uh, you know, it's really cool. My parents. Uh, That's a great answer. It, my parents actually wrote me an email at the uh, the info at smokingpipes which all of us in customer service monitor. My parents emailed me this morning to say hi to me at work. So you know they they are aware that you know they they are aware that the place is cool and they are aware and aware that uh, the fit is good for me and they're they're very. That's awesome. How did you first get into pipe smoking? Uh, Jeff Moran, who now works for IPCPR, but uh, at the time he was uh, he was working for Lane Limited, and uh, he was the rep uh, to Blue Havana in Chicago, um, and he also rented from the owner of Blue Havana. So he was in our shop a lot as a... As a lane rep, he was also in our shop a lot, just as a you know friend of all of ours who spent a lot of time there and who had personal connections to the shop. And uh, he gave me my first pipe. He gave me uh, a Stanwell uh, from the nineteen eighties, and it was a was a good introduction to pipes. He he also knew that I was fond of. of single malt scotches, and that I had a tendency towards the uh, heavier, peatier, smokier scotches like Laphroaig. I'm a, I'm a huge Laphroaig fan. Laphroaig 10, <laughs> Laphroaig ten, not 15, not 18, not 21, Laphroaig 10, cask strength, is probably my Desert Island whiskey. Love that stuff. So, he knew that I liked the Islas, that I, that I liked the smokier, peatier stuff, and he uh, Gave me that pipe along with a tin of Rattray's Red Rappery. So I started smoking a pipe very, very differently than a lot of people do. I started with the Englishes and grew into Oriental Mixtures and then grew into Virginia Flakes and then grew into Virginia Periques and then grew into uh, some aromatics. And now I'm this weird mishmash of all of it (laughs) that... Means that uh, I tend to be the guy that people come to with of questions. Right. So.
0: That's great. Tell me something about yourself that no one knows, or I might never guess about you. I'm shy. <laughs> <laughs> really? You think so? Yeah. So why? Uh, why do people? Why would people not know that about you?
7: Um, because my response to my own nervousness in social situations has always been to to just stick that over in the corner somewhere, uh, right? And you know, power on through. But yeah, left to my own devices, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually more likely. Like, put me in a crowded room, I'm gonna go stand in the corner
3: and watch what all you guys do. Right. That's totally my.
7: My go-to response in social situations where I can disappear, I usually do.
3: Right, right. Um,
7: but I actively fight that. I guess so. You know, I'm very talkative, very sociable, and I really enjoy people. I find people totally fascinating. <laughs> and it, you know, I'm not. I'm not so shy that I'm going to sit here in a room one-on-one and just be like, right, you know, staring at the table and. But, but yeah, no. If if left to my own devices, I am actually rather. Sh-
0: yeah. No kidding.
7: Yeah, I, I would not have guessed that. You're right.
0: Well, that's all I got for for this little snippet interview, man. And Jeremy, I really
7: appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, I know thanks that for... we probably went a little over. No, no, no. This is
2: perfect, perfect. On time, but <laughs> yeah, thank thanks, you, man. man.
4: Yeah, dude. Uh, my name is Shane Ireland. I was born and raised in San Diego, California. And I relocated to work with Smoking Pipes la- this last April. From? From San Diego. Wow.
0: How did that happen? How, how,
4: how did, tell, me, tell me exactly what was behind all that. Well, um, I had been a pipe enthusiast for a number of years. Um, and I had met Ted and Sykes at the West Coast Pipe Show in Chicago. You know, I think the first time I met him might have been in uh, 2010. Um, I would have met Sykes at the, at the West Coast show in 2010 and Ted probably the following year. Um, and actually I remember when Ted relocated, they did a blog post about it and stuff. And I thought, Hey, that'd be really cool. And just kind of said, Oh, well, and, you know, moved on with the life that I was living in California. And, uh, earlier this year, um, I was talking to Sykes and it just kind of came up and he asked me what I thought about relocating. Like, nothing specific, just are you open to relocating in general? And uh, after about a moment of consideration, I said yes, and then the the discussion turned to a position that they had open, and uh, I had to take some time to think about that and discuss it with a significant other, and, you know, and pretty much uh, snowballed from there. I think about a week later, I had sent in my uh, application, my resume. Sweet. Now, what is your what is your job here? My, my current job is that I am a sales executive uh, for the DC distribution group. And tell me what what is kind of like your day to day job? Like what you know? In my do? current position, day to day, we are the distribu- the distributors for Savinelli pipes, Cornell and Deal tobacco, uh, Caribbean lighters, GLP's tobacco, and Rossi pipes. So day to day is just uh, customer relations with uh, our retailers who, who uh, carry our products, and um, that involves taking orders. That involves uh, checking in with places and making sure that there's nothing they need from us, uh, whether it's product or help at all, um, that involves coming up with um, and collaborating with the marketing team um, for those lines. Yeah. So, uh, Shane, what what would you say is the most interesting thing about uh, your job here? The most interesting thing about my job here? Well, I think it's just that I'm probably not alone in feeling like pipe smoking movement is like this renaissance at the moment. Like it is on the rise from what it was maybe during the cigar boom in the nineties. And I think the most interesting part of my job is being able to really see that. Um, I think I'm probably not alone again in that when I was in San Diego, um, there was a lot of older guys that were pipe smokers and stuff, but it would be, you know, really random to see another young person smoking a pipe, walking down the street and to find out whether or not they were really, really into it, or if it was just kind of like a, you know, budding hobby for them. Um, and here we we just get so much great feedback from customers that it's really, uh, you know, tangible um, to see how pipe smoking is becoming. You know, it, it's it's not just an affectation. It's a, it's a hobby, and it's on the rise, and especially artisan pipes and and artisan tobaccos. Um, and I think it's. Also really interesting to be able to try a lot of prototypes for tobaccos that are being produced by Cornell and Deal, that kind of stuff oh yeah I bet. It's, it's a lot of fun yeah and and you you smoke a pipe here at work right oh totally yeah I can't, I can't I'm not gonna lie and say that had nothing to do with uh, <laughs> taking the taking the position because obviously in California there's no way I'd be able to smoke a pipe at work anywhere but right um, yeah it's uh, it's pretty good so um, how did you start smoking pipes? I was, and this, again, I mean, this seems like a pretty common response, but I was obsessed with it, you know, the image of the pipe smoker since I was a child just because of my grandfather, and uh, he actually quit smoking pipes when I was probably too young to remember, but um, I used to sneak into his office where he still kept his pipe rack and his jar of Prince Albert or whatever it was, and I would always sneak in there, open the jar, smell the tobacco, um, play with the pipes. I even snapped a few tenons of it and he would glue them back together and stuff. They were like decorative at that point, but
0: yeah,
4: um, I was just super fascinated with it. And, uh, when I was younger, younger, um, I smoked cigarettes cause you could still buy cigarettes, you know, you know, pretty like without being carded all, at all at every place, but you couldn't go into a, like a really nice B and M and buy a cigar or a pipe. Right. And, uh, the day I turned 18, I, I went and there was, there's an old shop in San Diego called Racine and Laramie. And I went in there and it's just this beautiful old building with a Great selection of pipes and tobaccos, and I bought my first pipe. And uh,
0: so it was basically never back. kind of um, based on on your your
4: grandfather. Yeah, based on my grandfather. Um, just because you know he and he had said this to me before too, and actually so did my mother. Just that the difference between smoking cigarettes for a quick fix of nicotine and like smoking a really nice cigar or savoring a pipe for the you know flavor of it. And I've always been really fascinated with like taste of everything, you know, not just, you know, whether it's whiskey or wine or cigars or whatever. So, uh, I was just really enamored with the romantic idea of smoking a pipe and also the variety that it offered, um, as opposed to just like, you know, cigarettes, which taste fairly close to one another, you know, there's not a lot of variety there. So, so, um, do you have a favorite pipe shape? Speaking of variety, spike, favorite pipe shape. Yeah. Wow, man, I'm like I don't know, and and uh, I'm not sure if this has anything to do with taking this job and being exposed to so many more pipes. But uh, I was a billiard guy. I mean, I'm smoking a billiard now. I was a billiard guy for a long time, and that's all you saw in my collection. And I've been like expanding a little bit more. Uh, I still favor the classic, classic shapes. Yeah. Um, so most mostly billiard, but you're you're reaching out and doing other stuff. Yep, reaching out and doing other stuff. Um, I think in the past year, I've purchased more bent pipes and probably more like apples and dublins and stuff like that Mm -hmm. than I have ever in the past like eight years right (laughs) yeah so how about tobacco do you have a favorite tobacco favorite tobacco Mm, that's a really hard one uh it kind of depends on like specific category I guess you could say um and also it's seasonal for me too Mm -hmm. um I'm mostly a Virginia smoker uh I've been smoking a lot of burley lately um a couple of the McBaron burleys uh, a lot of the C&D Burleys. And I think right now, if I had to pick like one thing that I would really just stick to and not get bored of, you know, uh, it'd probably be either Cornell and Deals Oak Alley or um, maybe like Old Escudo. <laughs> if you were me and were for out of, from out of town, where would you go for lunch? Here? Yep. Oh, hmm. It just depends how far you're willing to drive. Oh yeah. Yeah. I live in Conway, which is about eighteen, twenty miles down the road. Mm-hmm. And uh there's a couple of really good restaurants down there. Um so that'd be your first pick somewhere. Somewhere you know? somewhere down there. Yeah, right around here. Uh let's see. There's a little sushi place right down the road here too that's actually pretty decent. Too. Is is it called Jay's? It's called Jay's. Yeah, you I've got that, that from I've a bunch of people, people <laughs> already. Yeah, Jay's is Jay's is a solid a solid uh, choice if you want to stay on this road and not right. go too far. Um but if you're if you're willing to make a little bit of a trek there's uh Rivertown Bistro in Conway is, is pretty excellent. So Shane, let me ask you this.
0: Um do you brag about your job to family and friends maybe a little bit
4: more than you should? Do I? Yeah. Um I try not to rub it in. A lot of my friends are still working, you know, retail and like very corporate and not very fulfilling jobs, so I try not <laughs> to, but it's it's a little difficult. I mean uh, not to gush too much, but this really this really does feel like a dream job to me, yeah. um, and there's no hiding that when when you talk to when you talk to me about it, I think so. Um, tell me one thing about yourself that either no one knows, or maybe I
0: might never guess.
4: Hmm, that no one knows, or you might never guess. Oh man. Um. That's that's a tough one. Uh, one one is that I used to spend a lot of time performing. Uh, I play several instruments, and that's something that might not be. you oh, know, no a what, what did you? What, what do you um, play? I grew up as a bass player, and that's both upright bass and electric bass. Um, I've played in, you know, top forty Billboard bar bands and jazz ensembles and stuff oh, no like kidding. that. Wow! Um, I also played the tuba and the cello. Really? Yeah, wow. and uh, guitar and stuff like that. So my, my oldest son plays tuba right now does he so, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's fun. I always I always pick these big heavy instruments, man. You know, <laughs> like when you, when you're a kid and you're carrying them around and stuff, it's always like the tuba or the double bass or whatever. But yeah, um, very much rhythm section uh, at heart. But yeah, I play a lot of play a lot of instruments. I don't I don't too much anymore, and I do miss performing. I used to uh, play out at least a couple times a month, um, and that's something that I'm looking to get back into. But so if you if you
0: were going to play um, just one instrument, um, what would that what would that be right now? What would that be? Yeah, probably the guitar, like
4: um, bass guitar, or or are you talking about just six string acoustic, six string electric, electric guitar, yeah, electric, okay. mm-hmm. yeah, probably, and and probably with a with an uh, emphasis on jazz, right? Mm-hmm. Good deal. Well, Shane, thank you very much
0: for uh, taking time out of your day to sit here and chat with me, buddy. I really appreciate it. My
4: pleasure. Thank you.
0: And that was my chat with Sykes and some of the other folks over at SmokingPipes.com. And that's only a portion of the crew over there. If you ever get a chance to visit the facilities, I would highly suggest it. The hospitality is top-notch. The selection of pipes and tobacco is like nothing. And I mean nothing you have ever seen before. I had an idea of what it would be like, but my idea was incorrect. It was bigger and better than I ever imagined. Sykes has really built a well-oiled machine. Fantasy brought to life. Well done, sir. As we're on the cusp of July 4th over here in the U.S., which is very meaningful to us, allow me to remind you of the beauty of competition that we have check out pipingainteasy.com, where you just might find your next favorite pipe Pipingainteasy.com has a great selection of pipes for you to choose from right now so don't wait because the rotation that is up right now is just a snapshot in time if your next favorite pipe is in there you had better claim it before someone else does like me Go right now to pipingainteasy.com and let me know what you get. That's pipingainteasy.com. And before I sign off, I want to clue you into some changes over at oompaul.com. As many of you know, I studied painting and graphic design over at Savannah College of Art and Design many years ago. Not to mention some biology over at Stetson University. But I will be offering up original artwork of mine right there on the site. I used to have a different site that housed... Um, a small chunk of my artwork but I have decided to consolidate and put everything in one spot so check it out and pick up a unique one-of-a-kind original work from yours truly until we meet again friends this is Oli for OomPaul.com. wishing you very good luck trying to decide which pipe or tobacco or accessory over at smokingpipes.com will be next in your collection